Episode 41. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good at toss it, good at taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I am Brian. I'm Jason. I'm Jake. And we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. All right. Hey, yeah, I heard a third voice in there. Yep, yep. I am back. You're back. How's it feel? It, it feels good. Glad to be doing the show again. Um, been going through a lot of stuff. Can't really talk about it on the show, but I got to tell you, I really appreciate um, all the support from all our listeners. It's really been nice seeing all that support. Overwhelming. How you know how many nice things have been said about the whole thing and how unjust all of it was and everything. So I really appreciated everybody. Yeah, it's been hard for everybody with not having you here. Um, I don't know, it was kind of tough on me and Jay too, but uh hopefully, hopefully all of our listeners stuck with us through this and I'm sure they're all they've all been waiting your return. I know that. Yeah, it, like I said, it's just been it, it's felt really good to see all that positive energy come my way. I I really needed it those last couple of weeks. So, thank you so much everybody. Well, 
listener Andrew Peck, he uh, wanted to he wanted to help out. So I met with him. Uh, I think it was I think it was last weekend before we did the last show, and uh, he had some. Uh, Really cool koozies made. Oh, oh shit. no! In your honor, and uh, oh wow! Oh my god, that's overwhelming. Basically, this all we've got some more, and uh, they're oh. available. I'm going to post pictures of these koozies, and as you can see, they say "Support Jake" on them uh, with the hashtag "Free Jake," and uh, it's got a uh, five star leftover army logo on there. So. Um, oh man, thank you so much, Andrew Peck. This is amazing. And uh, wh- what we're going to do is we're actually going to have these available to our fans. Everything's going to go to charity to help out Jake. So if anybody wants to get these, uh, we'll, you know, we'll figure out you know how much it'll be and and uh, you know what you want to get one of these koozies. And they're, they're camo. It's our first piece of PCL merch. Yeah, it is. Oh it my really God. is. So thank you, Andrew. <laughs> um, this is just the first of something that somebody gave me. Next week, I'm going to present something else that was given to us. So wow. we don't have time for it this week, and, and I actually didn't have it with me due to scheduling because of my training and things like that. But this is awesome. Um, yeah, these are amazing. So, yeah, Pop Culture Leftovers koozies with the Leftover Army and the hashtag Free Jake on them. So, you know, if anybody else wants to get one of these and, uh, you know, drink your beer or whatever you want to drink with it, you know, uh, we'll figure something out, and then all the proceeds will go to you know help Jake out during this time. So, uh, thank you so much, Brian, and thank you so much, Andrew. This is, oh man, this is great. Yeah, I love them. I think they're amazing, and I, I can't wait to post pictures of them on the site. So, actually, I'm going to put my beer in there right now. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, keep awesome. it, keep it nice and uh, snug for me, nice and cozy. <laughs> smog. So, <laughs> smog. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Fuck that smog thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still pissed off about that. Hold on. Is the company U-Haul? Are they called U-Haul? <laughs> no, they're not. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Do I you know. Say, if you laugh, do you laugh or do you laugh? <laughs> Are you laughing right now, Jay? Lurfing. <laughs> Schmerg. The dragon's Schmerg. name is Smog. It's not Smog, and I'm not saying Smog. I will never say Smog. <laughs> So, all right, guys. Uh, we're going to be doing – this is the Amazing Spider-Man 2 podcast. Um, so b- pretty much in this episode, all we're going to be talking about is uh, Mark Webb's The Amazing Spider-Man 2. We're also going to put out a separate podcast about the Star Wars news. Um, you know, I, I put that the question out there if we should talk about both. Everybody was like, you know, one or the other. There were people that wanted Star Wars. There were people that wanted Spider-Man. Some people wanted both. So we're just going to put out two episodes. So we're going to have The Amazing Spider-Man – uh, two, it will be episode 41, then we're gonna have episode 41.1, which will be Star Wars casting and some Star Wars news that we'll go over. Yeah. So, do you guys, are you guys ready to jump into the Amazing Spider-Man 2 synopsis and get things rolling? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Alright, Jake, it's good to have you back, man. Thank you so much. God, it's been a long time, it feels like, and it's only been two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. A lot can happen in two weeks, A right? little amigo's a long way, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes a little too much. <laughs> Alright, uh, the synopsis. It's great to be Spider-Man. For Peter Parker, there's no feeling quite like swinging between skyscrapers, embracing being the hero, and spending time with Gwen. But being Spider-Man comes at a price. Only Spider-Man can protect his fellow New Yorkers from the formidable villains that threaten the city. With the emergence of Electro, Peter must confront a foe far more powerful than he. And as his old friend, Harry Osborn, returns, Peter comes to realize that all of his enemies have one thing in common, Oscorp. 
Uh, it's directed by Mark Webb, who did the original movie. He's also known for doing, you know, 500 Days of Summer, things like that. Uh, it's written by Alex Kurt- Kurtzman and Bob Orsi. Uh, we know them from the Star Trek movies as well. Um, and it stars Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy, Jamie Foxx as Electro, uh, and Max Dillon. Um, Dane DeHane as the Green Goblin and Harry Osborn. I uh, also wanted to point out Alden Ehrenreich, Brody Corbett, Eddie Redmayne, Sam Claflin, Douglas Booth, and Boyd Holbrook were considered to play Harry Osborn. I don't know who any of those fucking guys are. <laughs> no, I don't either. So I thought you were saying one big long name. Yeah, I could have been. <laughs> Honestly, they, some of those could have been combined and nobody would know any different because I have no idea who any of those guys are. Um, Colm Fior was Donald Minkin. Um, Tell me who Donald Menken was in the movie, guys. <laughs> Tell me. You saw it twice, man. No fair. <laughs> <laughs> no clue. Uh, he was – remember the asshole at uh, Oscorp that was trying to kind of usurp Harry Osborn and get the board oh, back in okay. control? Oh, okay, okay, okay. That was Donald Menken. Oh. Movie did a great job of setting him up. <laughs> yeah. uh, Felicity Jones uh, was Felicia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Giamatti as uh, Alexei Sevich. Did I say that right? I can't pronounce That's how that I pronounce Alexei. It. I mean, so it's yeah. probably wrong. <laughs> Sally, Sally Field, she returns as Aunt May. Uh, M. Beth Davids as Mary Parker. Campbell Scott as Richard Parker. M- Martin Sakis as Dash- Dr. Ashley Kafka. Kafka. <laughs> uh, B.J. Novak uh, is in there as Alistair Smythe. And Chris Cooper as Norman Osborne. I uh, just wanted to point out Chris Cooper who played Norman Osborn, he was considered for the role of Dr. Octopus in the second film of the Sam Raimi, of the Sam Raimi series. Mm. So I thought that was kind of interesting that they did use him for this film. Yeah, uh, Jamie Foxx and Chris Cooper, I'd like to point out, are the first Oscar winners to portray Spider-Man villains. Okay. Mm, that's interesting. So, all right, and then we all remember Shailene Woodley. She was cast in this film to play Mary Jane, mm-hmm. but then those th- scenes were cut out of the film. They had even had shown a scene with her in the original trailer, there was a scene, uh, albeit we just saw her from the back. It was that scene, do you remember towards the end of the movie where that, that taxi gets flipped upside down on top of the other car? Yes. The original scene, you saw Shailene Woodley looking out the window, and that was Mary Jane. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Um, whether she was like a waitress in that, in that restaurant or wherever. Uh, but they cut that, they even cut that out. The word is they're recasting her too. Yeah. yeah so. Well, that's the, no, there's no official statement oh, though. Gotcha. Uh, it was that scene that got cut out. Um, and then now Mark Webb, he spoke to movies.com about the deleted Shailene Woodley scene, and he said, there was one little scene at the beginning where she is next door, and it took place right around the montage where he comes back, and there was another little moment between Gwen and MJ. And then Webb explained why MJ was cut from the film. He said, but it just tipped over. The relationship between them, meaning Peter and Gwen, is so sacred and so powerful that it just didn't feel right. And it sucks because Shailene is such a great fucking actress and so cool and magical. But it was just about having this obligation to this romance that I thought was sacred. It was just one of those things. Uh, as a side note, guys... Jane Levy and Kristen Stewart were both considered for the role of Mary Jane <laughs> oh, before the character was dropped from the story. Well, I'm glad neither of them got it. Oh, my yeah. God. <clears throat> Kristen Stewart? Horrible. Fu- <laughs> Fanboys when it went fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, she's a horrible actress. I don't know her as a person. She might be all right, but... No, she's not. Yeah, probably she, not. <laughs> she cheated on Robert Pattinson. That bitch! Yeah. <laughs> Slept with the director of Snow White and the Huntsman, right? Right. Yeah. Hold on. Just gonna pee real quick. 
Sorry. <laughs> and that happened. All right. This is the first Spider-Man film to be filmed entirely in New York and the largest film production ever in New York City. Huh. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 has a runtime of two hours and eight minutes, which makes it the longest Spider-Man film to date. And this movie had a budget of an estimated $200 million. Um, do you guys know how much it's made? I haven't looked. It's uh, looking to make 90 mil 90 for million. the first weekend. Yeah. That's five million short of Captain America. Yeah. Not bad. Um, if you're new to the show and you haven't been listening, uh, we do have a unique rating system. And I'll let this beautiful example of the British accent do the explaining. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Um, let's see here. We're, g- we're going to go ahead and rate it, and then we'll go into the movie review itself. Um, who wants to go ahead and rate it first? I'll go ahead. Jay, if you don't mind, going it and he rating it. All right, um, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, just talk about it for a little bit. Um, I wasn't excited to see this whatsoever um, from the uh, the trailers. Um, my favorite Spider-Man movie was Spider-Man Two, the Tobey Maguire Sam Raimi. Um, so I, you know, for me, Amazing Spider-Man, the, this this first reboot didn't really do much for me. Um, understanding too that. A lot of these first movies are simply setups, and they're going to be a little, <clears throat> little bit slower paced, you know, a little bit more drawn out than a lot of people would like, I think. And you know, telling the origin story all over again. And um, you know, on that note, I think that they continued that very well and made a nice continuation um, for a sequel for something that I wasn't expecting to be good. Um, they continued the origin story and introduced a Peter Parker that I think is more up to date. Um, you got the origin story in the first one. Now this is him being more sure of himself as Spider-Man and, and really filling the costume being that is who he is. He understands his responsibilities now. Um, but he's also a confident Peter Parker, which I like that aspect as well. So, um, it continued that, um, besides those elements with the origin and, you know, what is Peter Parker in this movie? Um, I think it explored a whole lot. It explored very many topics at once, and I think it did it successfully. Um, the action was great. The special effects, I think, for the most part, were pretty good. Um, you know, I saw it in 3D uh, IMAX, so you know, I was. It, it wasn't necessarily great 3D, but I think the special effects in general um, were pretty good. So I like the special effects. I like the story. Um, Everything about it just reminded me of what I liked from the comic books, and that's that's what's most important for me. Um, it, it was well paced. Uh, the score was awesome. Of course, Hans Zimmer's doing the score for this, um, so I think it had everything that I was looking for with this. Um, uh, um, a Spider Man that I could say, yeah, this is my Spider Man. Um, I think he did great as Peter Parker. Everybody in the movie I thought was great. There was a couple short fallings, I think, which I'll talk about later. But overall, um, I'm giving it a Tupperware. Um, it was a much darker tone movie, which I was not expecting as well. That was kind of a surprise to me. Um, you know, just from the get-go, it was a lot darker film. So um, especially comparing it to what I've seen already with Spider-Man movies, with Sam Raimi's run, now with Mark Webb's run, I would say I like this the best of what I've seen of all the Spider-Man movies to date. So Tupperware in it. All right. All right, Jake, go wow, for it. Wow. Um, 
Yeah. Jeez, I don't even know where to start after that. Um, shoot, I, you know, I was a huge fan of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Um, even going into it, Sam Raimi was one of my all-time favorite directors. Spider-Man, one of my all-time favorite characters. The whole thing was just such an easy sell to me. And I almost loved it before I saw him. And, you know, even after seeing him, they're, they're by far my favorite Spider-Man movies. Um, I am not a big fan of Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker. Um, not at all. He is not my Spider-Man. I mean, I, I guess that's not the point, and we're trying to sell it to the younger set. But, I mean, to me, they just cast some heartthrob dude and put hair gel on him, and he's Peter Parker. And if Peter Parker ever had a Thrasher sh- shirt on in real life, I would just blow my mind. Like, <laughs> the whole thing. And But... And I really hated this movie for about the first 90 minutes of it. But then amazingly enough, I thought the last half hour really blew me away. Like I, I tossed the first 90 minutes and I Tupperware the last half hour. It was very, very, very exciting to be during the last half an hour. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and give this movie a taste it. Um, I, I guess we need to put out right out there. If you haven't seen this movie, we are going to say spoilers. Thank you. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, it was just, if anyone knows what happens in the comics, it just made it so exciting at the end. It's like, are they going to do it or are they not going to do it with the Gwen Stacy? I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and the movie just really picked up for me for that part. I thought it was just really exciting. I was white knuckle almost on what was going to happen with that stuff. But mm-hmm. to me, everything leading up to that was just almost total garbage. I mean, little little sparks of fun here and there. But, but yeah, I, I did not really like it until the finale. Okay, so <clears throat> we've got a uh, Tupperware and a Taste It. Um, let's see here. My rating, uh, this was probably one of the easiest movies for me to rate ever. Um, I loved, I absolutely loved about 50% of this movie. Yeah. There's about 50% of this movie that I loved. The other 25% was just ho-hum, and the other 25% I hated. Uh, I'm going to get into what I liked, what I loved, what I loved, liked, and hated. So I give it a Taste It. Um, the, there were scenes of Spider-Man swinging around and just being Spider-Man that I loved. And one of the things that I loved is when he's swinging around in the cities, they actually show where the web is landing yeah. as opposed to, and how he's maneuvering around the city as opposed to just saying that there's a flagpole or there's something, you know, like in the Raimi films, you never really got to understand how he could get around. And, uh, I'm not taking anything away from the Raimi movies, Jake. I love those movies too. I'm a big Sam Raimi fan. But uh, I thought it was really cool that they did show that. And they showed more of the stuff that I like, seeing Spider-Man from his perspective, his POV, his point of view, and what it feels like to be Spider-Man. And there were scenes that just touched me. Like, um, I love just seeing Peter Parker, just catching crooks, standing up for little kids being bullied. Yeah, I like the bullies. And having fun doing it. That's my Peter Parker. That's my Spider-Man. That's the shit that makes me, like, tear up in the theater. You know what I mean? That's my Spider-Man. Seeing him crack jokes on villains. People can sit there and say, oh, this is not Nolan's Batman. It's not supposed supposed to be. Right. If you read a fucking comic every once in a while, Spider-Man's cracking jokes at villains. And that shit's fun. Yeah. That's my Spider-Man. And um, the things that I hated, some of the musical score... Hans Zimmer, yes, but there's some of the musical score, especially the electro thing, the, the electro scenes, which I'm going to sample a little bit of that for you, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, I didn't care much for the stuff with his parents. I think they've taken away a lot of the the emotional feeling that he had towards Uncle Ben. 
Aunt May mentions Uncle Ben at one point in the movie, in which Peter Parker just replies with a statement about his parents. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. I didn't, that did, did not sit well with me. He seems more distraught over Captain Stacy than his own uncle. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I agree with that 100%. Good, fucking, good point, yeah. I think this movie suffered from a little bit of the Iron Man 2, where they tried to shoehorn too much things in for setup for other movies. Mm. I think we were watching a prequel to The Sinister Six. When it took away a little bit from the main story, which was the, um, you know, Gwen Stacy, Peter Parker. And I think they, we got introduced to, don't get me wrong, we got introduced to a different goblin. Yeah. But I love Dane DeHane in this. He's no, great. he was good. He's great. I love Dane DeHane in this. Every scene he was in, and I know there are going to be people that disagree with me, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> but every scene he was in, he made every scene better. Every scene with Electro that didn't work for me, when Electro was in the same scene with Dane DeHane, everything everything seemed awesome. Yeah. He should have been Peter Parker. <laughs> um, He's so, a definitive Harry Osborn, for sure. He looked a little too Leonardo DiCaprio for me. Right. Yeah. But, you know, that's just Dane DeHane. Yeah. Sounded so, a lot like him, too. Does, too. He does, too. But whatever. I'm not taking that away from him. <laughs> But uh, I, th- I did think the movie suffered a little bit for them trying to shoehorn some of the prequelitis to the to the uh, you know uh, the Sinister Six movie coming out being directed by uh, Goddard. But uh, other than that, um, like I said, I loved fifty percent of the movie, and then twenty five percent I hated. We'll get into what we loved and hated throughout the movie as we break it down. Okay. Yeah, sounds fun. Okay, so overall, I gave it a taste. It. Um, there were, but see, that's the weird thing. It's like there are Tupperware scenes in this movie. I, I thought the whole end finale was Tupperware. Yeah. I really did. I was, yeah. I loved it. There's yeah. a lot of great moments yeah. in it, and it was enough for me. I think. Yeah, you know, that's what it was because it did have shortcomings. You no, know? yeah, it did have shortcomings, but yeah. there was a lot of great things that I took away from this movie too. Yeah, I just love seeing Peter Parker be Peter Parker. Yeah, for sure. A lot of people were like, oh, I don't want to see him catching crooks and stuff like that. No, that's my fucking Peter Parker. Yeah, when he's got the costume on, I like the way it's portrayed, but when it's... Andrew Garfield being Peter Parker outside the costume. Ugh. I disagree. I think Terrible. some of the some of the some of the jokes and scenes between him and Aunt May, the jokes were great, but like I the things I don't the things I don't like, I can't necessarily say I don't like because of Andrew Garfield. The things that I don't like are things that I don't like because of the writing. Like yeah. there's a certain scene later on in the movie where Peter Parker confronts her. And she is expressing her love to him, but I don't feel like he's expressing that much love back to her. Right. And that's what this movie's missing for me from the comic books. They're taking more of an ultimate universe take on this, maybe, I guess. Yeah. With his parents and stuff like that than they are. Did they introduce his parents in the 616 or the ultimate? They, in the 616. Okay. Because oh. his parents were spies, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what, what you're saying, Brian, is so confusing because it's like, I thought the reason they would get a Mark Webb to make these movies is to focus more on the, on that aspect. The relationship. On the relationship aspect. I don't think that that was actually Mark Webb's decision though. Oh, I, I, think, I agree. Yeah. I think like the whole Uncle Ben not saying in the first movie with great power comes great responsibility is like, oh, well, let's separate us from the Sam Raimi films. It's already been done before. Yeah. But those are the words that define Spider-Man, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what makes him Spider-Man. That's part of his, that's part of the character's character. Yeah. <laughs> and that forms Spider-Man, that shapes him into the Peter Parker that we know and love, and they strip that. 
And we're seeing more of that in this film, which I don't like. Yeah. It's more of a bond between, like, how can he reconnect with his dead parents than it is that, you know, oh, my gosh, he had such an amazing relationship with Uncle Ben. And now he has to be this version of – he has to be the man that Uncle Ben wanted him to be. And we didn't see any flashback scenes of Uncle Ben having any speeches with him or any sit-down talks with him. It was all his father in these videos and stuff like that. And it's like, I know you're trying to separate yourself from the original series, the Sam Raimi trilogy, but you're really confusing audiences at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And And Martin Sheen was such a damn good Uncle Ben. Yeah. I thought he was. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I thought actually both actors that played Uncle Ben were pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, I like I liked it. I liked it both a lot. Martin too. Sheen is such a sincere guy when he talks. Every word that comes out of his mouth is sincere when he talks. That's that's what makes him a decent actor. And and the the guy that played Uncle Ben before was really good. It's just like why why are you taking such a character that plays such a huge part of this character's life and like making him a side note yeah yeah definitely like like i said they really did play up him being more upset about you know gwen stacy's father dying captain stacy mm-hmm. than they did about his own uncle you know i agree and yeah. i don't know about you guys but i'm not really a big fan of uh sally field aunt may it's always sally field playing aunt may get the me. fuck out of town yeah. <laughs> I, no she's awesome i i, I would have agreed with you but uh, Sally Field just as kidding. an actress. I mean, if, if you watched, you know, uh, no, I no disrespect to Sally Field, but it's. Just, I want to see the gray-haired Aunt May too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know it's like this ain't your daddy's Aunt May, and so we've got like <laughs> you know Sally Field in here, and she doesn't even have gray hair. I, I just felt like she wasn't even really acting; she was just being Sally Field in the role. Well, like it just. Uh, I didn't see any Gidget in there at all. Did no, you? No, <laughs> I still. I felt like she was completely in the role that she thought she needed. The to play. scene where the scene, and I know I'm skipping ahead, but it, because we're talking about it right now, the scene where she's sitting there, she's like, "You're my boy." Oh yeah, that was she touching, brought. Yeah. She brought everything she could into that scene for me. <laughs> okay, I loved that. Okay, it's what ruined it for me was his fucking response. <laughs> right. Oh, that's that's really nice and all, but could you tell me about my parents? Right. Yeah. That's that's what that's what I fucking hated. Well, well, see, that's what I think the writers were trying to do by making her constantly bring up Ben. Like yeah. she was constantly bringing right. up Uncle Ben. Right. So they were trying to keep it there, but this was the story about Gwen Stacy, Peter Parker. Yeah. The the only thing that she didn't do in this fucking movie to bring up Uncle Ben was fucking make rice. Right. She never made <laughs> it fucking was, rice. It was the only. It was short of making fucking rice. <laughs> yeah. Because everything was about Uncle Ben, but Peter was just not getting it, and that pissed me off. Now, if she had made rice, <laughs> maybe Peter would have been like, "Oh yeah. fuck, Uncle I Ben." I would have liked the scene. <laughs> I would have liked the scene where Peter Parker is like fucking sitting there crying over a bowl of rice. Right. That would have fucking made the movie. Just Tupperware. Touching the box. Just touching the box. <laughs> Any rice. Responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just so strange they don't do that because in the first movie they definitely played up the fact that it's Peter's fault that Uncle Ben got killed. I know. Right, but, that that part wasn't skipped. I know, but didn't you? I mean, you got it from that, right? So you got it, and so this was about Peter and Gwen. So then they have to bring up 
her father in this situation. Yeah, but still more to do with his parents. Yeah, even the scene later on where he first gets introduced to Dane DeHane. Yeah. Uh, uh, not first introduced, but the reunite, yeah. the, re- the them being reunited, and he's like talking about why they have so much in common as they're skipping the rocks across the pond. They say something like, um, "You know, you lost, uh, you know, you got sent away and didn't have a relationship with your father, and I lost my parents." Right. It never is about Uncle Ben. Yeah. Uncle Ben is always just this afterthought. And for me, being a loving Peter Parker, loving the character, I know that every event that happens to Peter Parker, he always brings up Uncle Ben in right. the comics. Right. Like there are times where Peter Parker will do something and save everybody, and he'll just say to himself in his head or out loud and under his breath, he'll say, I hope I made you proud, Uncle Ben. Yeah, yeah. And I did not get that from this film. Yeah, he never gives a crap about his parents. I mean, and even when they're introduced, the, they're spies working for the Red Skull, and right. fans got so mad about that that they just, it was the chameleon the whole time. Right. And they never really were there in the first place. Yeah. Me being a comic book reader, like the Uncle Ben stuff connects with me so much more than anything with his parents, because it's always been, Uncle Ben's always been the focus. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that that makes this movie a toss it. It's just certain scenes are toss it scenes for me. Right. But I mean, Spider-Man, the suit, first of all. Let's talk about the suit. Best looking Spider-Man suit ever on yeah, film. The it, suit looks great. Absolutely. Comic book came to life, am I right? Yeah, yeah. For sure. All the, all the imagery, like you said, flying through the city, shooting his webs and swinging. Right. All those images looked exactly like I remember from the comics, and I was just grinning. The whole time he was doing that. Yeah, and it right. started out right. The opening scene just cutting right to him free falling. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, Spider-Man's costume for this film, it was tailored to resemble his original costume from the comic books when the character was first introduced. So the costume for this film includes the original color patterns for Spidey's hands and feet and the large white eyepieces, which have not been done in any major uh, film before. Um each time the costume eyes were thin, clear colored frames. The only difference from the costume for this film and the very first Spider-Man costume are the spider insignia on his back and the lack of web wings beneath the arms. Right. From the, the, the classic amazing. Yeah, from the amazing uh, 15. Yeah, the fa- uh, amazing, fantasy amazing fantasy number 15, 15 yeah. the very first appearance of Spider-Man. All right. Um, so, uh, you guys ready to just break this movie down? Yeah. Break it down. All right. So now, without further ado, let's begin our review of Mark Webb's The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Welcome back, Jake. All right. I forgot about that. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> All right, so the movie, it starts out, and uh, we see Peter's uh, father, Richard Parker. Um, he's at Oscorp, and it's late at night, and it looks like he's in a hurry to get out of there. So he starts doing some things. He's he's freezing spiders, and, uh, and um, he, it looks like he's downloading some data from Oscorp computers onto his laptop. Uh, an alarm goes off within Oscorp at that time, and then... Uh, Let's see here. Right then we see the, we see the video. Yeah. He's leaving a video and he he starts recording a video and he says people will say I'm a monster for what I've done. I guess I needed more time. And then you hear Peter in the background say daddy or something like that. And then they cut to the scene where 
uh, he's dro- him and Mary Parker are dropping Peter off at Aunt Bay, uh, Aunt Aunt Bay, <laughs> Michael Bay, <laughs> Michael Bay, <laughs> Aunt May, and Uncle Ben's house. Right. All, all this is the same footage in the first movie. Is it all taken yeah, from the same? Because I, I literally watched Amazing Spider-Man one for the first time right before seeing this movie. Right, and it's 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 the same footage. It's like a couple different angle shots. Yeah, because I didn't think they brought Martin Sheen back, and we did get to see a little scene with him. Yeah, in there, it was all duplicate footage. Right. So just thought I'd point that out. And uh, at that point, they drop him off. We see the flight where they're uh, Mary Parker and uh, Richard are are in the airplane together, and they're sitting down. They're talking, and you can see Mary Parker's torn up about this. You know, they feel like they've just got to get out of there. They can't. They can't be there anymore. They're going to endanger his life. They've got to get away and become ghosts. Right. So they can't. They can't be in his life anymore. Um, he says he's going to upload the data that they've retrieved to Roosevelt. And then we see the pilot come out, and the pilot is acting kind of kind of strange, like, "Hey, what you got going on there?" <laughs> yeah. And uh, Richard takes a look at his hands. You see blood on his hands. So now he knows something's up. He starts to wash his hands, and we notice that the pilot's been killed. And uh, Mary's in the bathroom at this time. And then there's a huge fight between the two. And uh, I, I thought it was cool that Richard Parker was still kicking some ass. Yeah, this scene was a little bit goofy with. The constant closing of the computer and will it, will the percentage get to a hundred in time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little tropey during that kind of stuff, right. you know. <laughs> right. But I, I'm glad that his dad didn't just die like a little bitch. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm glad he fought back. Well, I, I thought it was a good foreshadowing of what was going to happen in the in the film with Peter right. and Gwen for sure. Right. Um. Let's see here. So then. Um, after that, yeah, so basically the guy goes flying out the window of the airplane. He dies. Then we know the plane's going to go down and crash. And after that, we get the really cool scenes that I started to really love. Okay, Spidey, Spidey just web-slinging in the city. Yeah. And the suit just looked amazing, like we said earlier. I mean, we see him like free, like base jumping, just yeah. free falling. You can hear the flapping of the suit. Yeah, you get the beautiful logo there. The colors are popping. It's bright. It's bright outside. It's daytime, so you get a really great look at him. It looked real. It looked realistic for you know. You know that was CG, but like right. the attention to detail, the flapping of the suit, the yeah. creases <laughs> from the wind blowing in the suit. Yeah, everything was there, like spot on. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I was glad they got rid of all the uh, red light blinking from the first movie. If you remember what I'm talking about, they seem to completely get rid of that for the second movie. Red light blinking in the in the first movie. Every time he shot his webs, you saw the actual red light blink in his wrist. Oh, every yeah. single time for the whole movie, and that's right. something that they just ditched for the second one, which I, right. I thought it was really distracting. That's just Mark Webb's version of lens flare, man. <laughs> <laughs> red light blinking. It just didn't catch on like JJ's lens flare. It's better for it. Yeah. Uh, Oscorp. We find out that Oscorp has this truck, and the truck is full of plutonium. And it's been hijacked, and the truck is being driven by Alexei Sevich, um, which is played by Paul Giamatti. <laughs> All right. Uh, and he's driving in the semi, and he's driving through cars, and he's crushing cars and everything like that. There are two, gli- two guys that, that are working with him. They're blowing the roof off of the truck to get inside the truck to get access to the plutonium. And... Um, all right. What do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about Paul Giamatti? I want to talk about Paul Giamatti. He was so over the top. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What the fuck was going on there? He was almost like I don't know. Like I don't get the direction of the character. I think he was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Should I drink vodka? 
Yeah, it was way over the top. He was just like hooting and hollering the whole time. And I mean, it looked like he was having a lot of fun being that character. Yeah. But there was nothing like I could take seriously at all. Maybe he was having game. a lot of fun, but it was like watching a drunk guy at a bar. It was. Yeah. yeah. You, you I know? think he was drunk. No, it, it was like watching a drunk guy at a bar. The guy's having a lot of fun, but everybody else is just like looking on mortified. Like, oh my yeah. God, what is this guy doing? We're at Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't think he really knew what he was doing. He's a great actor. Yeah. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, he's a great actor. Fantastic. Yeah, he is a great Actor. But in this particular role, I don't think he knew what he was doing. I never understood a fucking word he said. It was, <laughs> I was laughing. Yeah. I mean, it was fun, but as a villain, I'm not like, oh, cool, the fucking rhino. I couldn't tell you one thing he said throughout I the entire movie. I have no idea. Hey, guys. Oh, it's Spider-Man. <laughs> I do. I, 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 <laughs> you like this accent? I get you, Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a lot of, oh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean uh, it was kind of comedic yeah it was comedic it was I mean, fun you've got okay basically you're, you're playing a guy who's eventually going to be the rhino he's a rhino i don't so. think that was intended comedy though yeah i don't know <laughs> paul, okay paul giamatti he loved the russian accent he used for alexei <laughs> savage he actually said he's a russian mobster russians are always good villains my accent is pretty hammy it seemed to me like an opportunity to be as over-the-top hammy as possible. You certainly were. <laughs> he said, yeah, he, he goes, went for it. He goes on to say it was really fun. So that's what he did. I mean, that was what they wanted to... That's what he wanted to do with the character. <laughs> he did it. He did petition for this part, though. I mean, he was on late-night shows saying, like, you know, the Rhino's my favorite character, always was my favorite character, so if I ever wanted to be in one of these movies, I wanted to play the Rhino. Cool, cool. So... Do you think well, that's it true? Fun. It was fun. Do you believe that? He's, that's what he says. I know, I, I know, I know. You know, but. I mean, I, be, I, I actually, I do because it's, it's weird that an actor like Paul Giamatti was cast as the Rhino. Yeah, I guess, I guess. How you else know? did this even happen? I know, <laughs> I know. Cause you think like it would have just been any guy who didn't have any attachment to the Rhino. Yeah, just some bald dude. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so then we finally, then we're introduced to Max Dillon, mm-hmm. um, and he's walking across the street with the blueprints, um, and then, uh, the blueprints start blowing all over the street. And so he's trying to collect them and like, nobody's paying attention to him at all. Nobody's helping him grab the blueprints. You gotta understand, this is New York City. Nobody gives a fuck, I guess. That's, I've never been to New York City, but that's how it's always portrayed in the films. Like, I guess you can just walk down New York City and just stab somebody in the fucking face and nobody's gonna do anything. Everybody's right. just gonna keep on walking up the Wall Street or whatever <laughs> yeah. the fuck they do. We're not condoning that. You know, but... <laughs> this, this is just New York City and how it is. Nobody notices anything. You can be walking around naked in New York City and nobody's gonna give just a fuck. Pooping. I'm just pooping. <laughs> taking a shit taking a shit on the corner of uh, east and whatever the fuck right and nobody cares because it's new york city yeah hey I, fuck you right I, I, I real quickly i thought the music was really over the top hammy during that part specifically too they were like giving him the dodo music while he was dropping the maps oh, really? Over. Yeah, yeah it was really right. Like, all right we get it we get it yeah you know okay i know yeah i mean i liked uh okay we'll talk about it later i didn't really i don't know if i really cared for him playing max Dillon. No, he was kind of the nutty professor. Yeah. You know what I mean? The nutty professor type character, like you said, just goofball type guy. And it's, and it's not the Electro that I think we know from the comics at all whatsoever. Yeah, not even so much that it's like they failed on the character. Like, you know, oh, well, they tried something new. But it basically seemed like they did the Jim Carrey Riddler thing. Yeah, yeah. A little bit, right? Right. Like just the goofy scientist that they just did. stumbles you, into you this kind of You kind of like it because it's humorous and you can relate to the awkwardness of it. Of it, mm-hmm. and so you're kind of like, oh, this villain's over. 
right. He's all right. What's can we jump ahead a little bit about this character? Yeah. And I'll get back. We'll talk about it a little bit you more. You probably want to say something. The rubber, the rubber suit? No. What I want to say okay. is why did he have to be mad at Peter and Oscorp? Yeah. Why couldn't he just been mad at Oscorp? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it, for what, what happened to him, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, he, you know, Oscorp, they just treated him like shit there. And, I mean, you know, he felt like he had no power at all at Oscorp. And all of a sudden, he gets the power later on in the movie. Why did they have to shoehorn him being angry at Spider-Man in there? That, yeah, that made no sense. I, from what I could tell, they were buddies. And then all of a sudden, he hates Spider-Man, too. Well, they, they shouldn't even have the whole buddy thing yeah. in there at all. It just confused this the shit This whole scene out. shouldn't have been in there. Him rescue. Okay, so basically, at this point, you know, he's trying to get the blueprints. And there's a taxi that's... From this car chase, that's going. Oh no! Is it just a just a? Yeah, is there, the car chase still going on? Yes, yeah, yeah. And then he gets saved from this taxi about to hit him, and then he and then uh, Max Max Dillon looks at Spider Man. He gets saved from Spider Man saves his life, and he looks at him and he says, "I can't believe you saved me." He's like, "I'm a nobody," and he says, "You're not a nobody. You're a somebody. You're my eyes and ears." And he's like, "Oh wow, you know." And that's when the, we get this Max Dillon obsession with Spider Man. Yeah. Which just seemed like an odd scene to throw in. Like, this does not need to be there. Yeah, it seemed like basically Spider-Man was just kind of throwing one-liners at him, and he well, was too stupid to realize that it was all just a big spider quip. We've got this scene going on with a car chase with the rhino. And at the same time, we've got this convenient out of New York, which is the biggest city in the world. Nobody's noticing Max Dillon. But apparently at the same time, you've got these two characters that are doing the same thing in a scene in the largest city on, you know, in, in America. This all just happens to happen at the same time. It's just kind of weird. It's kind of clunky. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Agreed. It's very Hollywood film. It is. You know, 101. This is how we're going to set it up. They could have set up his character better. Yeah. Right. But I think it played well later on. Did it really? I think it did. <laughs> did it really? Though? I think it did. I mean, I, I think he's a side, I think he is a side note in this movie. I, the, that was my first reaction walking out of this film was, wow, Jamie Foxx was such a side note in this film. His electro character was a side note. I didn't feel like there had to be any tor- to any kind of a relationship between Max Dillon and Peter Parker right, or, or right. Max Dillon and Spider-Man. I didn't think that there had to be a, any connection between those two. I felt that Max Dillon's character would have been better served had he just wanted revenge upon the Oscorp Corporation. Yeah. There didn't have to be this Spider-Man obsession and this feeling that Spider-Man let him down. I, I didn't feel like that had to be in there anywhere. No. I felt like he had been treated like shit at Oscorp for so long because he was the one that set up this clean power from the electromagnetic grid, and they didn't give him any credit. Right. His revenge should have been all about Oscorp. Nothing to do with Spider-Man. Especially after being tortured and, you know, uh, by, by Kafka, yeah. you know, trying to make him his He was tool, sent there by Oscorp. His weapon. Right. We're jumping way the fuck ahead. Yeah. But I, that's just, the only reason that it ties in is because that one scene between him and Dane DeHane in Ravencroft. That's true. That's it. Yeah, it's, it's weak. It felt forced. It's very And weak. it felt clunky from the get-go. And so when we got there, I was like, okay, this is why that happened to lead up to this point, but... Man, you guys really did a bunch of fucking circles to get here. Right. Yeah. They they basically used him as the threat to distract Peter from his normal life. Right. He was the big threat. So if they, it worked, they did it to make it easy. If it worked for you, that's great. But as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, 
this is just kind of weird. As a fan of the comics, there's no way that's cool. Right. But as a fan of the movies, not knowing that stuff, right. you probably, you're going to be okay with it. Yeah. They just use it as like the big threat. I've got to take care of this. Right. I agree with one thing Jay said, though, that I was surprised at how much of a side note Jamie Foxx's character was. I mean, he got so much of the promotion time, and it really didn't. They used him for promotion, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. So, um, at this point now, it's a, um, basically it's about Spider-Man stopping the rhino as he's, you know, plowing through cars, running them over and everything else like that in the semi. Uh, he webs the two criminals, uh, for the police to catch. The plutonium is bouncing all over and Spider's, Spider-Man's webbing them. And I love the scene where Fun. he's in the back of the truck and he's upside down hanging and he's grabbing all the plutonium. And it even reminded me uh, a little bit, some points, uh, where like one of the, one of the plutonium vials would get loose and he was trying to catch it. Reminded me of that scene in the Temple of Doom where the, uh, yeah. the, the, uh, antidote vial is being oh, yeah. kicked around Club Obi-Wan and he's trying to get it. And I really liked it. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Great sound effects for all the things tinking around too yeah. and everything yeah uh, i just hope that they knew where all these plutonium vials were hanging from and all these different places in yeah the city. i was wondering that <laughs> like, <laughs> you know it's like is, is somebody is like uh i don't know is like one day like a pigeon gonna peck at that web and the plutonium vial is gonna land on the street or something like that from that lamp post you know he's smart but he's swinging all over he's the swinging all place. over yeah so how the hell yeah. does he do right know? but you're right that was one of the that was the first scene where i well besides swinging uh-huh. the the opening scene but that was the one scene where i Went to my friends like, oh, that's good. I loved that's it. Good. I really liked <laughs> yeah. it. I really liked it. I just like seeing Spider-Man hanging upside down with all those plutonium vials like webbed up. Yeah. I just thought that was really cool. And what did, did since you just saw the Amazing Spider-Man, Jake? Yeah. Did the webbing look different in this film than it did in that movie? Yeah, a little bit. Did it have the more of the um, Todd McFarlane kind of yeah. look to it? Yeah, it had a little bit of that in the first movie. But in this one, there was a lot more. The webbing was focused a lot more. Yeah. They zoomed in yeah. on it a lot more and yeah. did stuff with it a lot more. Yeah, I liked it. Um, let's see here. So uh, then Spider-Man is, you know, he's trying to chase all the plutonium vials. And he stops at one point in the street. And then a truck hits him. Yeah. And then it's like, then the truck is taking him on this journey. He gets the phone call from, uh, Gwen Stacy and it rings the Spider-Man song, Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Man, <laughs> which is a cool little Easter egg to that song. Uh, Gwen's at graduation and, uh, She's talking about, like, I can't believe you're not here, blah, 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 blah. And she wants him there as soon as possible. He's not at their graduation. So um, that's the point where we get the first scene of uh, him looking in the squad car and sees a vision of uh, 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 Captain, Captain Stacy. Stacy, yeah. Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary is Captain <laughs> Stacy. And so... And then, you know, he's remembering, you know, Captain Stacy's dying wish not to see her anymore because, you know, it can endanger her. And he remembers his promise to Captain Stacy. So. Which he's already broken. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Which he's already broken. And, and we find out later that these two have been off and on since then. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they imply that right at the very end of the first right, movie. Right. Um, let's see here. So Gwen is actually the valedictorian at the ceremony. And then she gives that really cool speech. I thought it was really good. I don't think that this was a hammy speech at all. I thought this was a really good speech about the hope and future. So good. They play the entire thing a second time at the end. They do. But you know what? I'll explain while I think I like that. I did like, I really did enjoy that. 
the pursuit continues. Uh, then we get that scene that we've seen in the trailer with Paul Giamatti. He's shooting as Spider-Man's, you know, swirling and doing his little Matrix thing to dodge it. <laughs> and then as he is, I, what I loved is as he's like webbing Paul Giamatti, you know, as he's doing it, he's whistling the spider song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Paul Giamatti's like yelling in Russian and all this crap. <laughs> Whoa. We t- did we lose something? Hey. Hello? Hello. Hello. Is it? Balls. Hold on. <laughs> Balls deep. <laughs> there we go. All right, we're back. Whoops. It was the uh, headphones. Kind of fucked up oh, there. Okay. Um, let's see here. But yeah, as he's, uh, as he's doing, he's like webbing him up and everything like that. And then he depants him. Yeah. Did you guys see, did you guys catch the Easter egg? The rhinoceros on his boxers. Yes. Little teeny rhinos. Right. There are little circulars, uh, like, like little circular, um, like dots, like polka dots on yeah. his boxers. And in, in, within that, uh, it was a little picture of rhinoceros. <laughs> so it's just kind of like they threw that in there as an Easter egg. Um, then now we get the scene at the graduation. So uh, we see Peter Parker coming up. Did any of you think, like, as he's, like, taking off the clothes and putting on the gown, did any of you, and he still had the mask on, did any of you think that he might walk up there accidentally with the mask on? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or just a piece of it, like the right. boot still showing or something right. like that. Right. Uh, this is where we get our Stan Lee cameo, which yeah. is probably the worst Stan Lee cameo ever. After the amazing Stan Lee cameo in the first film. The, the first Stan Lee cameo was great. In the library? Yeah. That was hilarious. This one. I think I know that guy. I, yeah. <laughs> Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, he gets on stage, then he kisses Gwen, and then, uh, then he, then we, then we have that talk with Aunt May, where Aunt May is like, I wish your parent, I wish, I wish Uncle Ben was here, and then he says, and my folks. Oh, yeah. yeah. You don't give a shit about Uncle Ben. Th- didn't, okay, <laughs> did that not sit wrong with you, Jay, though, when he said that? Yeah, yeah, but I, I wasn't thinking about that. I was. That's I the fucked up thing. His parents are deadbeat parents. Fuck your parents, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> they left you. <laughs> uh, I just don't like them being in this at all. I don't like. No, that. it should have been done by the first movie. Yeah, done. I I agree. Now talking to you guys about this, yeah. but I didn't think about it. That's fine, and that's that's why it didn't bother me. But now that you guys are talking about yeah. it, I understand what you're saying. It was like seriously, it was like some like a thorn in my side. Every time he'd mention his parents, when he should have been talking about Uncle Ben, it yeah. really bothered me. Yeah, and and I guess maybe that didn't hit his home to me because I mean I've just been reading so much Superior Spider Man and the newer stuff where they don't really talk about that because it's not Peter Parker necessarily all right. the time. So, you know, I've been kind of disconnected from the whole Uncle Ben thing. Yeah. And seeing this, I just wanted to see a good continuation of the first one. But now that you mention it and you bring up these points, I I totally agree with you that right. he was kind of just shit upon, thrown under the bus yeah. for the story of his parents. But that was used to bring about the Gwen Stacy Peter Parker story. That's why they did that that way. Like it just played well to the story. You're right. It's upsetting because it doesn't doesn't give a shit about the people who actually read the book and care about the material. Yeah, I feel like even though have. there was good stuff that does play play well to the comic book reader. We haven't heard the last of his parents either. That's the terrible thing, right? Like, there's obviously still more exposition to be had from that storyline. Mm-hmm. We're gonna every all this stuff is gonna come from their research and everything. Right. So it's just like, ah. Uh. Mm-hmm. 
he'll find another video and he'll, <laughs> he'll probably say, with great power comes great responsibility. And that's when I walk out of the fucking theater. <laughs> oh, God. That's when I walk out of the theater and I, we review Spider-Man three and I sit down and say, yeah, guys, I'm going to toss this movie. I got to the point where Richard Parker said, with great power came great responsibility. And I, threw a middle finger up in the air at the screen and I walked the fuck right out. Because <laughs> yeah. when they do that, that's fucking blasphemy. Fuck you if you ever do that. I thought that they were going to do it in this movie. Yeah. I did. We'll talk about that later anyway. Um, so then uh, Gwen sees the headline on her phone that the Oscorp truck was hijacked and she said, does that have anything to do with you being late? And then he's like, what am I supposed to do? Tell you right before your speech? Which makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so then she invites him to dinner. And uh, then as at the graduation, we get our second Captain Stacy flashback scene. Yeah. <laughs> so now, still no Uncle Ben. We get a second Captain Stacy And he's looking good. Scene. He's looking very handsome. He is. He is. For being he's, killed. He's looking very well-groomed. He's got his whole uniform on. He's he just does. staring. Yeah, he looks very, I don't know, very militant and... <laughs> and you're thinking, am I supposed to? Is he to? working out? <laughs> in the afterlife, can you right. work out? I don't know. I mean, how does he get that glowing shine in He obviously hair? went to heaven. That's yeah. all we know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Peter Parker didn't even cause his death. <laughs> no, he caused his death. Yeah. He did. Yes. He made the decision. Well, it's just like, you got a guy dying in front of you, and his last dying wish is, hey, stay the fuck away from my daughter. Don't touch my yeah. daughter, you asshole. You know? Which any guy's going to say to some other guy. <laughs> I wonder if he sees uh, Captain Stacy during some really awkward times. <laughs> 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 all right. You're going to have to flip over on your back, honey. <laughs> we got to get rid of these oh, mirrors. Fl- yeah, flip over on your stomach is what I meant to say. Oh, man. Oh, that's so horrible. <laughs> I, I might have that vision now every time. Oh, no. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't see Captain Stacy. No. <laughs> no, not Captain Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> Used to be baseball, but now it's Captain Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jay, you promised. I know. I can't. I gotta leave. <laughs> Is everything all right, Peter? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Peter Parker's taking his Spider-Man Viagra commercials. <laughs> Oh my god. Great responsibility. <laughs> oh my god. Ow. Oh. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> All right. So, you yeah. Want, you want to do a smoke break Let's on this Let's do a smoke note. break. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. Sorry. His amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. Amazing friend. 
All right, hey guys, we're back. We're going to talk more about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, so we jump right into that scene where uh, we see Gwen and her family. They're at that uh, restaurant. And uh, I don't know about you, but like just in that scene, like the setting that they had. Yeah. Just, you know, they're in Chinatown eating at that restaurant. The colors just popped in that scene. Oh, like yeah. all the restaurants and all the little Chinese banners and stuff like that. It just looked really cool. I really like the the way that they had the set designed. Oh yeah, they they did a lot of that too with the reds and the blues right. throughout the whole movie, which I thought was really cool. Um, uh, when he was designing that map too, that was another mm-hmm. instance where like the tape was red and blue and everything. Yeah. Um, I loved it. Yeah, I thought that I thought that the visually um, that scene in particular, a lot of scenes were really right. stand out that way. Yeah. I, I didn't really notice the colors popping like that in that scene. I'll have to check that out next check time. Check it I out, see man. It. Cause like they'll show them like in that kind of like, uh, that alley or whatever, you know, that street in Chinatown. It's just like all those banners and all the colors just popped. It just oh, yeah. looked really cool. Um, so he goes to the restaurant and then he looks inside the window and, uh, he walks away and she sees him. But see, the thing is, it's like we see another, don't we see another scene of like his father? In there, do or, or do we not? Her, uh, her father of Glenn, of Captain Stacy. Did we? Yeah. I don't know if we did or didn't. I think we did. I think we did. Right. I feel, right. I feel like he, <laughs> he was. He was, he was probably sitting down eating <laughs> eating some stir fry with him or just something. Shaking his head. Just shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> don't eat with them. You fucker again. You're gonna see me. <laughs> Very yeah. disapproving. I think. I think so. I think he like kind of scratched the back of his head and then he had like a, another moment <laughs> right. with Dennis Leary. <laughs> Captain Stacy is another form of birth control <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> this was an anti-sex movie. It was. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it was – I thought that whole scene was, like you said, visually great. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. But it was another use, I think, of, of Captain Stacy. Yes. Yeah. So she suspects she, – she sees him. They talk and then – you know, things get really emotional and then she suspects that, you know, she even knows, she suspects that her father is haunting him. Yeah. And they, they break up and she's like, you know, this has happened off and on. Like, you fuck she's her. like, yeah. she's like, you know, and he's like, you know, what if something happens to you because of me? You're, and then she says, you're Spider-Man, but I love Peter Parker more. Yeah. And that really hit me. I like that. Yeah. And then she says, I can't live like this. And she's like, you do this all the time. This happens all the time. And she says, I break up with you. No, I break up with you. And so she breaks up with him. (laughs) I guess she's just trying to save face because he was (laughs) letting her go again. And then she walks in and she sits down with her family. Um, So at this point, now it's like they've broken up. So he's spending less time with her. What does he do to fill the void? Now he's diving into being Spider-Man all the time. We get a really great montage of him being Spider-Man. You know, in this montage, we get the really cool scene. And I love this scene because this is my Peter Parker. The kid's getting bullied by the other kids. Yeah. And he basically jumps in between the kids as like, this kid's got a science project. And they're like knocking it out of his hands and like gonna get ready to beat this kid up, this little kid. And he jumps in between them and scares him off. And then he's like, wow, did you make this? He's like, that's a, that's a wind turbine. And then like it's broken and he fixes it with his web. Yeah. yeah. Which I love that. 
and the kid introduces his name and he says, My name is Jorge and he walks the kid home. Yeah. Yeah. I said awe at this part. Yeah. Even cold hearted me. People can say like, Oh, this is corny as fuck, but no, that's my Spider Man. Yeah. On top of everything else he was doing that they showed where they're yeah. like you know, people are reporting multiple Spider-Mans in the city because he's doing so much. Right, yeah, they him. did. And and so then for him to do that, to take a moment out to do that was really cool. Right. And that is the Spider-Man we love, yeah. for sure. He's fighting so much that he's wearing himself out and he gets a cold. Yeah, and then, <laughs> he gets sick. He gets sick. <laughs> and Another great scene. He's getting, isn't he buying like Dayquil or yeah. Nyquil or yeah. something at like a convenience store? And he's almost a, like, God dang There's it. a crime in progress going on yeah. and he stops the guys i'm spider bad <laughs> and behind him the criminal that he stopped that was trying to hold up the store is like webbed up on like the soda cooler yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm spider bad he's like what i'm spider bad <laughs> i loved it i thought that was just funny yeah it was great just buying cold medicine right <laughs> <laughs> he can't take a break is what it's saying is that he's so into this yeah he can't take a break. He's sick. He's not feeling well. He's trying to buy cold medicine right. for himself. But we all know that he's, you know, using all this time to fight crime right. just so he doesn't have to think about Gwen Stacy. Exactly. Because exactly. he's still very much in love with her. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, uh, they show him from, they actually show him from, uh, the top of a rooftop, uh, and he's watching Gwen Stacy walk her dog. Now, the, the dog that Gwen walks while Peter spies on her from the rooftop, in all actuality, that dog belongs to Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Yeah, oh, it's okay. their adopted dog. It's the adopted yeah. dog, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, of course, we all know that they're a real couple in, in real life. So, um, I mean, that seems to happen with these movies, you know. Uh, it's, it's weird. Like, a lot of these actors that start in these movies together, they end up starting date, they start dating. Like, we saw it with, you know, Brad and Angelina. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, just like Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, you know, yeah. in Twilight, it happens a lot. It does happen a lot. It's that work relationship. Yeah. It happens. You know, you get to know each other really intimately. So yeah. I yeah. still think Brad Pitt's an idiot for leaving Jennifer Aniston. And Jennifer Aniston seems great She's to got me. the whole package. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but she seems unbelievably yeah. great. She seems like down to earth as far as Hollywood types go. Yeah. And then you go the complete opposite. <laughs> With the, yeah. Angelina Jolie. <laughs> Did she have 10 adopted kids though? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Did she want kids? Maybe that was the, the, the thing that, yeah. Now, uh, this, we get the next scene, which I thought was another funny scene where Aunt May wants in his room. And yeah. He, and yeah. he's still got the costume on. The Ferris on. Bueller kind he's of scene. so, like, burnt out from the night before. Like, this almost, I thought this was going to be the scene from the comics where Aunt May finds out he's Spider-Man. You right? know, I kind of felt like she, she, she has knows. known the whole time. Yeah. I thought I there were nods too. to that. Yeah. 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 Throughout, throughout. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Both movies. Sure. Yeah. She brings him up quite a bit. And yeah. She, you can tell that she notices things. But, like, he's dirty in the face and, like, you know, trying to – try. it's a very Ferris Bueller type moment <laughs> where, like, the parents are wanting to come in the room and he throws the baseball at the – He's got know. that whole electronic setup. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very Ferris Bueller type scene. But, like, he's dirty in the face and she, she actually gets into the room and she's like – you know, you need to take me. I was supposed to be at this place at, at, by nine o'clock. You need to drive me there. And, and he's like, she's like, why are you so dirty? And he's like, <laughs> I'm he's, naked. He's like, I was, he's like, he, I was cleaning the chimney. <laughs> yeah. She's like, we don't have a chimney. He's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I love that part. Busted. <laughs> you know, it's just funny. Um, so then, uh, after she leaves the room, he sees his dad's briefcase again, and we get some more flashbacks of him and his father and stuff like that. No Uncle Ben. 
No, no Uncle Ben. Who cares? Yeah, fuck Uncle Ben. <laughs> so what'd he ever do? Yeah, what'd he ever do? <laughs> Raise him. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the scene. They show Max Dillon, and he's uh, talking to himself in the mirror. <clears throat> this is another weird thing. The whole birthday speech. Yeah, where he's talking to himself, and he's like. I get it. I get the guys alone. He, nobody, nobody cares about him. Nobody remembers his name. He's like an, he's just this guy who walks through life and nobody gives a fuck about he's him. He's schizophrenic. But I think they went a little over the top to kind of portray that in the film sometimes. I mean, uh, and he's talking to himself. He's like, all the crime fighting you do, you take the time to visit little old me. You know, it's my birthday. You remembered? Oh, but why wouldn't you? We're best friends. And then he pulls out the cake and he's like, oh, you made me this cake? It's like, this guy's fucking crazy. Yeah, then he pulls out the Spider-Man blow-up doll. (laughs) (laughs) Then he sees Captain Captain Stacy and he stops. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the next, the next part was really cool. It's kind of an Easter egg and in, in sort of in, in a way, um, you know, uh, Peter Parker sending a uh, uh, an email with a picture of Spider Man to J Jonah Jameson, right? Yeah, and it says something like, you know, wrong, you know, maybe maybe you know he's not as bad a guy and he's good for the city or something like that. Maybe he's kind of a hero. And then the reply is wrong. Yeah, wrong <laughs> exclamation <Yeah>. point. So. <laughs> On a side note, I've heard uh, Mark Webb being quoted as saying that he would be fine with uh, J.K. Simmons coming for the cameo if they ever actually do show. Really? Yeah. That'd be great. That would be great. Well, he said, uh, we said last week on the show that uh, Mark Webb says that uh, he could be introduced in the next few movies, that Mm -hmm. uh, J. Jonah Jameson could make an appearance. Oh, yeah. So that'd be very cool. I I hope they do keep J.K. Right. Yeah, that'd be great. He'd be perfect. I mean, in the the original Batman films, they kept the original Alfred all the way up until like that last George Clooney movie. He's perfect. Yeah, he is perfect. They killed him off in that Clooney movie, right? Don't they kill Alfred in those Batman movies? Oh God, I have I haven't I've saw that Batman and Robin one time. I never watched it again. Yeah, oh I yeah. Remember. Uh, then <laughs> Max goes to Max Dillon goes to Oscorp, and then we see that virtual woman. What's her? Is her name Carrie? Yeah, that I virtual, didn't catch her name. I didn't. There's like a virtual woman that they show yeah. that like you know talks to everybody with an Oscorp AI, yeah. and she's talking about the electromagnetic power grid that will give uh, clean power to Manhattan. Then they cut right to Max Dillon. He's arriving to work, but he's late, and we're introduced to Alistair Smythe. Yes. Who then gives him shit about being late. <laughs> and uh, He was great. You know, and then and then he talks – then uh, Max Dillon starts talking about how he helped to design the electromagnetic power grid. And then uh, Alistair Smythe's kind of a smartass. He's like, yeah, you helped design it, and I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's when we get that scene – uh, where we see Max's imagination, where he actually attacks Smythe. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, you don't know anything about Spider-Man, blah, blah, blah. He starts going fucking crazy. So, I mean, that's a little bit of foreshadowing. We're already seeing the dark side to Max Dillon right now. Yeah. It's yeah. already starting to come out. Now, BJ Novak, the actor playing Alistair Smythe, uh, this is kind of an Easter egg. Uh, some people might think that he's just a throwaway character, but in the comics, Alistair Smythe was the son of Spencer Smythe, the inventor of the Spider Slayers. Yes. Which is a series of robots that were designed to kill Spider-Man. Uh, the initial generation of Spider Slayers were created by Alistair's father and commissioned by J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> After Spencer failed to kill Spider-Man and ended up getting himself destroyed as a result, then Alistair inherited the legacy from his father, and he too wanted to kill Spider-Man as revenge. Yes. Yeah, he made a bunch of Slayers too. Yeah. yeah. So this is even more of that kind of like, 
I don't know. It's kind of like a throwaway character in this film that could lead into something more. This is more of that like Iron Man two setup for yeah. like Sinister Six. Yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, B J Novick was great in this little cameo, but I can't imagine him pulling the reins as a lead villain in right. these movies. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I no. haven't seen him act in a lot. I mean, honestly. Yeah. No. Yeah. So. Have one Tarantino movie in the office, right? He, he so. looks the part. Like if you read the comics, he definitely looks like the guy that is the Spider Slave, right? But but by the time uh, Amazing, well, Sinister Six comes out, is anybody gonna fucking remember who Alistair Smythe is? Like no. your regular average fan? I don't know. I mean, are yeah. they gonna explore it? Right. I don't think so. Probably not. No, I don't think he was just thrown in there. Yeah, I, I don't. You really do? Yeah, I think I think he's an Easter egg for the fanboys. Wow, I think they're actually going to go with his character in a future movie. I think he could do it. I just don't see it. I don't know if they're going to do it. but I'll take that bet. Interesting. As part okay. of the Sinister Six, I don't know. I just th- I felt like this whole movie was like find out foundation for like bigger things leading up into other movies. I 100% agree with that, but I think in this instance, it was just a cameo, okay. just a Easter egg for the fans. Because even... Even Spider, a lot of Spider-Man fans don't know this character. Yeah, but it's like I think like Sony sees like all the world building that fucking you know like Marvel has done, and so they're they're trying to play a lot of catch up, and a lot of these movies are trying to do the same thing. So it's like I think they're throwing these things in there because we saw things in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, that tied back into like Phase One back in Iron Man Two. Yeah, yeah. Like there were like there was like a like a picture hanging on fucking. Uh, uh, Tony Stark's father's wall that actually tied into Captain America. Right. And, you know, Senator Stern played a part in this and we saw him in there. So it's like, I could see like Alistair Smythe coming into a Venom movie, you know, like years later and being like, oh, I remember when that happened. Now that makes sense. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's impossible. I don't okay. think what you're saying is ludicrous. Right. But I, I just, I don't think this one's going that direction. That's, that's, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. Cause I, I could, w- be I wrong. would, I would like to see it. Right. But, I mean, as part of maybe the, the team of the Sinister right. Six, I don't see him as being another threat like by himself or anything like that. But I think BJ Novak could play it quite well. I mean, like right. I said, I think he looks the part. Right. No, I do too. I think his character is too similar to Dr. Octopus though, and they're not going to have them both on the same that's team. That's another thing. Yeah. Dr. Octopus and like, Maybe the Scorpion, you have the Spider Slayer in those two characters already. So, right. I mean, do you waste him on that or do you, do you use him later? I don't know. I don't know how they're going to, like, how this set that up. I don't know. Yeah, Gus could be right. I, I don't know. For some reason, I've just been following BJ Novak for so long. He's trying, fucking great. Trying to figure out where he fits into this yeah. that maybe I'm just, like, hyping myself up that, like, he's a bigger part of this whole Spider-Man. Well, I mean, he is yeah. a pretty well-known actor. I don't think they just throw him in there for no reason. I don't. I wouldn't say he's well-known, but, I mean, I think people have known that he's going to be in the movie. Yeah. People that have been following the production, they knew he was going to be in the movie. So, I mean, just as me, somebody following, like, like, why did they throw him in there? Oh, there's got to be something bigger for him. But you guys could be right. I yeah, mean, I think it's really just fan service this time. Maybe it is. And, I mean, I know it's not Marvel Studios, but, I mean, the Marvel Studios way is we know this guy is going to be in three more movies because he's got a three-pitcher deal. Right. And we, we haven't heard anything down the line about B.J. Novak having any other 
deals. Yeah, but as head of Oscorp Science, he's got to have another major role. I mean, I wouldn't think they're just going to discount him. It's just so weird because, like, maybe I'm just thinking too much along the Marvel line because, like, Marvel has, like, these characters, like, you think, like, oh, these are just throwaway characters, like Sitwell, Jasper Sitwell. And it's like Jasper Sitwell became, like, like, you know, from, like, the first movie he appeared in, which was, was it uh, Thor? Mm Mm-hmm. Then he like then he showed up in fucking the Agents of Shield. Then he fucking showed up in you know this last Captain America movie. It's like he'd be he, cool way down the line for sure. Like keep bringing him up, yeah. And then the fucking then, Spider Slayer, right? He's no joke, right? He's no joke. Yeah. He's a cool fucking villain, right? No, I, I don't disagree that. I, that God damn it! Cool <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking like Sony is like taking like the opposite approach of like DC in this. And they're like, you know what? We're not going to try to like separate ourselves from like the formula that Marvel's doing. We're going to embrace it. it. We're yeah. going to embrace it. Yeah. No, and I agree that that is what they're doing. But I think they're doing that in the direction of the Sinister Six and all the more well-known that characters, makes sense. as opposed to BJ Novak. That's blatantly obvious. Yes, BJ Novak, not so much. But it's just like, why did they have him in there? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just fan service. Fan service. I mean, do you think we're going to get more with? Um, this is jumping ahead, but do you yeah. think Felicia's character we're going to get her fleshed out more? In the, I do. In the future yeah. movies? I really do. Yeah. Okay, I, I really can do. see that more. And I'll than... explain a little bit of that later as we go. Um, so then, uh, Max Dylan meets Gwen, uh, Stacy in the elevator and he's talking about Spider-Man, how Spider-Man saved him. And of course, like, this has got to be awkward for Gwen since they just broke up. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's like, you know, it, it's just got to be awkward. And they, they're talking and she says, well, all right, well, it was nice meeting you, Max. He's like, you remembered my name. <laughs> so they keep bringing this thing up. Like everybody doesn't remember who he is. He just wants people to notice him, blah, blah, blah. We get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, I mean, it does play a bigger part in the film later on. So, yeah, I, I get why they did it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that it's it's a big build. They could have cut it out. They could have cut down the Electro backstory. You know what? You know, no, that was fine. That little scene was fine. I'm just being a dick. But that little scene was fine because it was just real quick. Yeah. It was real quick. Right. And, you know, she just said, "All right, my accent." He's like, "Oh, you remembered my name," but. He's he's not a major impact on the story necessarily when you look back on how it ends. I agree with Jay 100% here. You could have cut all the electro stuff and you still have the same movie. You could have you could have made his instance real quick. I'm a well, scientist at Oscorp and this accident happens. I think that this movie what happens later on, I'm jumping ahead again. We're we're doing that quite a bit, but we have to sometimes. What this movie proves is like Spider-Man is very resourceful. Yeah. And these villains are figuring out that they need each other in order to take him down. Right. And I think that's where this kind of leads up into the Sinister Six movie. That's why they're going to form. I mean, we get the scene later on where two characters are talking about how they need each other. Yeah. I need you to get out of this situation and uh, I need you to get me into this certain facility. And it's teamwork. And I think – you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that more a little bit later as we go along. Uh, Harry Osborne is now we're introduced to Dane DeHane as Harry Osborne as, uh, he's home from being away. Uh, he's at a, he was at a, like a boarding school. Yeah. His father yeah. sent him away. Yeah. And his father is, uh, Norman Osborne played by Chris Cooper. Um, and then we're introduced to him. He's in a dark room and he's dying. We remember him from the first movie. Yes. 
they didn't it wasn't Castris who Cooper. No, we never saw him. Right. And but we knew he was dying. Did he or did he not look like a zombie from The Walking Dead? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like Greg Nicotero, you know, the makeup guy from <laughs> Walking Dead came on set and did the makeup. He looked like a fucking zombie straight yeah. out of Walking Dead. Yeah, he, did, he did not look good. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he would have looked good as a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> a white walker. A hot zombie. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then they get into this little talk about, you know, you think it's going to be like this nice little reunion, but of course we know the relationship between the two characters. He's like, you had such, you know, Harry, uh, Norman's talking to Harry. He's like, you had such potential and you threw it all away. And then, wow, this is not the James Franco yeah. Harry Osborne. Yeah. This is fucking a new take on Harry Osborne because he goes into – you know, and this is Dane DeHane acting all the fucking way. Cause oh, yeah. he's like, no, you threw it away when you sent me off to boarding school at 11. And then on my 16th birthday, I knew you didn't send me the gift. I knew it was signed by your secretary. Yeah. And it was just like, damn, he just fucking went off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Jake, I want to know your thoughts on this. I'm curious. On the, uh, I liked it. I think that Did was you? good stuff. Yeah. So you, you don't mind that it, they, they had a different take on this character from the Raimi films. Like, this wasn't the James Franco, yeah, you know, Harry. It was fine. And I don't think it was all that different of a take either, to be honest with you. Franco, it, I guess the difference was in the Sam Raimi stuff, he was fighting for the approval of his father. Yeah. And in this version, he doesn't even give two shits about the approval for his right. father. It's really the only difference, though. Still. Yeah, but, you know, skipping ahead again, I mean, he becomes the goblin and... Yeah, we never see Norman become the goblin. Right. It is Norman's technology that – Yeah. well, I guess it's Norman's scientist. Norman right. wanted that technology to keep him alive. Right. But yeah, I didn't – none of this bothered me. Okay, cool. I, I was curious. I, I wanted to know what you thought about that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm jumping ahead for the millionth time. I, I thought this goblin looked better than the Sam Raimi goblin. Yeah. I mean it wouldn't take much to beat Power Ranger goblin. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Uh, I hated that. Yeah, but I still didn't think this one looked great. Like I'm right. not rushing out to get sure. statues. Of I this disagree. Character. Do you think that they could <laughs> tweak it though in the next film? I do. I think they will. I think it can look a I lot think, better. I do too. I do too. Um, and then you know his father starts to explain about you know he's like he asks him like is your hand starting to twitch yet? <laughs> and he explains that he's been he's got this you know genetic disease, retroviral hyperplasia. And it's the Osborne curse. Yeah. And he said he asked for his hand. And you can see, you can clearly see that Harry's hand too is twitching. So he's got the virus. It's been passed down. Harry's gonna die eventually. And Norman's got claws. Right. <laughs> are you guys throughout this movie, are you kind of feeling sorry for these villains too? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm connecting with poor, you know, Max Dillon. Like, man, people are treating this guy like shit. I yeah. really feel bad for him. And even though like this fucking silver spoon motherfucker, Dane DeHane, you still feel, for you him. feel bad he's for him because he's dying. Yeah. I don't care who the fuck it is. If it's not Hitler and they're dying, I'm feeling bad for them. Yeah. I, but the ends didn't justify the means for – maybe a little bit for Green Goblin, but definitely not for Electro. I felt bad for him. Yeah. But I didn't feel like what he did was warranted for how bad I felt for him. Right. Like I couldn't jump that. You know, I couldn't get to that part. What up? Smoke up. Oh, okay. Yes. For real? Sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, guys. Jay just waved the cigarette flag. <laughs> we can now smoke cigarettes. Smoke. <laughs> yes. 
All right, so <laughs> sorry, distracted. <laughs> this is just totally wow. Jumping ahead to my cigarette. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, didn't mean to disrupt do you want, it. Do you want me to ash into your hand? Yes, you can. No, here's an ash. All right. <laughs> so professional. Right, let's play the movie review song again <laughs> while we light up. <laughs> All right, let's do that. <laughs> Epic fail. No. <laughs> I was like, what did I say? <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, um, where are we? We've got, yes. I, re- I really want to talk about Electro's origin. We're, we're, like, we're about there. Yeah, we're we? almost there. We're almost there. But we do need to hit a couple points here, real quick. So, um, Harry, uh, Norman gives Harry the data of his life's work. Right. Which does not look like it's just like a almost kind of like a cube almost. Yeah, you know, and it, it says Oscorp on it. It's like a silver kind of cube, and I'm thinking, how do what is this thing? Is it's it the, all the data. What's right. that, Jay? Is it the glider in a in a small compact form? You don't maybe, know. Maybe you drop it in water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was getting ready to compare it to the clue from Goblet of Fire myself. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't a big deal. Right, it wasn't a big deal. And then, and then Norman looks at him and he says, you know, he's gonna die and he's like, maybe you can succeed where I failed. Right. And so, um, Norman dies and then he leaves everything to Harry. And this is kind of like his way of like, you know, I, I think the legacy was important to him. I mean, he could have left it to like the board, you know, the yeah. power. But he left it to, I think he wanted this, he want, he'd been fighting this curse, this genetic, uh, disease for so long, I think he wants to see it overcome. I think he wants fucking Harry to beat this fucking thing. No, as mad as he seems to be at his son, he doesn't want anyone to suffer that the same fate he's suffering, especially his own son. Yeah, yeah. So I like this scene. It was a good scene. I really did like this scene because I'm not, I, you know, like being comic purists and shit like that, of course we want to fucking see Norman be the goblin. But I think they pulled this off. Yeah, definitely. And I think Dane DeHane's acting fucking pulled this off for me. What uh, compare Dane DeHane to James Franco? Uh, it's it's apples, It's so tough. I, it is. He was really good. I really wish they would have introduced him in the first movie. It really would have added. I do too. A, it, yeah. It really would have added a lot to the first movie. Not yeah. that their friendship wasn't believable. Right. But it just would have been nice. It's such an integral character. Maybe like a scene of him going off to the boarding school, possibly. Yeah. yeah. yeah or maybe. S- or say, you know, or even seeing him as kids hanging out, maybe in a future flashback. Right. In another movie would right. be something really nice to see. Right. That, that was the one thing that I really felt took away from the movie was that was rushed. And yeah. I, I didn't mean to dodge the question there either about comparing James Franco to him. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I thought Franco did a fine job. I, I liked Franco quite a lot. Well, they had a lot more time to flesh out his character, you know, by the time they got to the third but, movie. But the execution. As, as the ultimate Green Goblin, the guy that becomes a Green Goblin, as Harry Osborn, uh, right. Franco did not pull that off. He He totally took it not seriously whatsoever, I felt. But that's how, I mean, to be fair, in the actual comic book, um, it's in Spectacular. That's how Harry dies, is saving Spider-Man as right. the Green Goblin. Right. And I mean, that, that, 
they nailed that story. Yeah, they did. It's one of the few, but I honestly thought, and I've said this before on the podcast, like in the first Raimi films, I thought the relationship between um, Harry, Harry Osborne and Mary Jane was more believable than the relationship between Peter Parker and Mary Jane. Yeah. Yeah. Like I could see those two together more than I could see Peter with, you know, Mary Jane. And they played with the jealousy factors of that in those, yeah. in those movies. Yeah. That wasn't ignored. But man, you know what? I really like Dane DeHane. No, he, I really do. He was good. He, I, scenes with him were great. I, I think this whole movie was inspired by Chronicles. I mean, I think the Electro scenes were totally inspired by Chronicles. This real life situation where this guy that's unknown is getting all this attention was almost like the villain that Dane DeHane played in Chronicles. I can see that. Absolutely. I think it was very similar. A lot of the scenes really struck home to me was like, because Chronicles was such a great movie for me. It was just a such out of the blue, you know, realistic superhero approach. That, it was the best found footage movie I've seen since yeah, Blair Witch. Didn't have anything to do with comic books necessarily, but was inspired by comic right, books. And yeah. I think this movie totally kind of showed some of that and was definitely playing to that. Yeah. But his character in particular, like compared to James Franco, I just don't think James Franco took it seriously towards the end. Right. I don't think anyone at Spider-Man 3 was anywhere, you know, in into that movie. I think everybody was phoning it in at that point. But Dane DeHane as Harry Osborn was totally taking it seriously. Yeah. He pulled it off from the get-go. Every emotion, every non-emotion right. was perfect. Yeah. Oh man, Sp- <clears throat> Spider-Man 3 hate. This this is another podcast here. <laughs> oh, that's another 2 hour 4 hour. <laughs> yeah. Podcast. We can talk about that another time. Yeah. All right, so uh, it's Max's birthday, and we're, we're you know, and he arrives uh, to work, and everybody's leaving work, and he's like, "Can I leave too?" And we get another scene with B.J. Novak as Alistair Smythe, and he's like, "No, you need to stay here, and you need to watch the grid. There's a problem. There's a malfunction on the grid. You need to take care of it." And he's like, "But it's my birthday," and he's like, "I'm sorry, you got to take care of this problem." What a dick. Exactly. He, he is an asshole. He's an asshole. So, uh, I mean, dude, I, at this point, I'm feeling really bad for him, dude. It's his fucking birthday. He can't even leave work early. Or he can't even leave work on time like he's supposed to. He's yeah. supposed to leave, and uh, they're making him stay. He even makes a call uh, to turn off the power to a guy, and this guy's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm out the door. You're going to have to take care of it yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? This guy keeps getting shit on left and fucking right. It's true. He needs to learn to call off on his birthday. That's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) So so I'm feeling – I'm really feeling sorry for him. And he's like walking up like the ladders to go find out where this malfunction is and the power grid and whatever. And he's singing happy birthday to himself himself. crying out loud. Uh, you know, and then, uh, he, he touches these cables to get everything taken care of and he gets electrocuted. And that's where we get the scene where he falls into that, that, uh, that vat. And the vat has got the eels in it, the electric eels. And <laughs> with the teeth. With we, the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, can I talk for a second here? Yeah. <laughs> this origin is one of the very few origins that's more ridiculous than the way it happens in the comic book, I thought. It was, it was really distracting to me. Yeah. Electrocuted and getting bitten by the electric eels. Right. A little bit too much for me. Well, they're trying to tie everything back into this whole animal hybrid science thing that they've got going on from the first movie with Kurt Connors and the lizard and the yeah. regeneration and all that stuff. And even Spider-Man himself. And even Spider-Man yeah. himself. In case you didn't know. Right, yeah. Okay, if, in case you didn't know, Oscorp has a bunch of fucking animal hybrid science <laughs> shit going on. Yeah. Oh, man, I hope he 
doesn't have like sea otters in a tank. <laughs> Manatees. Uh, oh no. <laughs> I just sit there. I'm duck billed platypus man. <laughs> I have feet like a duck, but I'm furry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was another moment where it's like, come on. Yeah. Right. Did you need to do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. A little over the top, even All for right. a comic book movie. It, it was. Uh, we get the board meeting now, and it's like... Uh, Very cool. I, the, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Um, the, the board meeting, and they're talking. They're actually talking about what we've been talking about, this animal hybrid science and how it's been thrown out. Like, they've gotten rid of everything. Uh, Donald Mankin. He and I'm gonna have to repeat who this guy is. I already forgot. Exactly. Donald, <laughs> Donald Mankin is the Weasley guy that doesn't like Harry, and he wants him to relinquish his position. You know, he's that guy that's always trying to usurp him and take the way of power and give it back to the board. Right. And uh, because uh, they don't like Harry, pretty much they, they can say that they don't like Harry uh, because of all the work his father did with the animal scientists, but. Uh, the science, but they just don't like him because they, they don't want this 20 year old kid taking yeah. over the fucking company. He's a punk kid. Exactly. Uh, they think that it doesn't look good that, you know, Norman's son will be taking over the company after the city was attacked by human lizard hybrids yeah. while his dad was running the company. <laughs> uh, Harry just fucking goes off on him after yeah. they start explaining this and he just goes off on him. Mencken even calls him Harry and then he says, it's Mr. Osborne. Yeah. <laughs> Then Harry says hi to his assistant, <laughs> and he says, hey, uh, she's this girl all the way down the table. You know, she's kind of cute. He's like, what's your name? And she says, Felicia. And he says, for now, everyone at this table works for Felicia, because <laughs> Felicia works for me. Right. Anyone care to speak up? Good. Then you get to keep your jobs a little longer. I was turned on. <laughs> I was like, this is that. Was, I, I love women, but that, I was turned on. That was a bad. <laughs> that was a badass scene. I really yeah. liked that. Yeah, very uh, cool. So at this point, this is another cool Easter egg to the fans. We're introduced to a female character named Felicia in this film. Now, readers of the comic, we know her as Felicia Hardy, yes, uh, or also known as Black Cat. Now, Black Cat is a Catwoman ripoff in every way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in the comics, she's the daughter of a famous cat burglar. She meets Spider-Man. She fell in love with him and utilized her criminal ca- career in order to get his attention. So she'll pull off crimes and things like that. So Spider-Man will come and they'll be able to interact with one another. Eventually, they do begin. They do begin dating, but Felicia backed off when Spider-Man revealed his real identity to her as Peter Parker. Uh, scared that he was just a normal man under the mask, um, then they dated for a while, but eventually broke up. They now have an understanding and work with each other in the comics, even though she still backslides into her criminal ways. Uh, it was cool. In the movie, she even had the black nail polish on. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wish they would have explored her a little f- further in this movie, but it's a good foreshadowing. It is. It's going to be continued. Right. It's a good story to now, continue. Do you think that, Jake, Jay, do you think this is going to be another BJ Novak thing where they don't really go and flesh this character out, or do you think we're going to see her in future films? I think there's a stronger chance that this one will go somewhere, but I still think this one won't either. Really? I think this is just another fan service Easter egg. No, Jay. I disagree. I think, I think this is a total setup for her in the next film. With Mary Jane as kind of a, 
you know, a love triangle type situation. Maybe this is why they left Shailene Woodley out because they didn't want to have three women in this film. Well, and, and plus you have the fact that she's working for Harry Osborne. So you have that whole other story of that she's working on the inside right. for Harry Osborne to figure out who Spider-Man is. And, you know, cause he's not an idiot. You know, mm-hmm. he, he proved early on in this film that he knew a lot about Spider-Man right. from his little information that he got coming back into town. So I think he's going to – I think that's going to play a role where hmm. it's him, her, Peter, Mary Jane in the next one, something like that. Okay. But you didn't really get the sense that she was all that infatuated with Peter and his reputation. That, that was my next point. There's no interaction between her but, and Peter really. But that's true. But at the same time, Harry catches on that Gwen Stacy is so important to Peter Parker and right. Spider-Man. He knows. Sure. And so he – He's going to use that, I think, in the next one with Felicia as the black cat. And maybe she ah, won't be as necessary. At first. Right. But then later after right. some – yeah, that makes sense, Jay. Good yeah. points. I think she's going to fall Very for him later on after working for Harry. I'm leaning towards you now, Jay. Yeah. yeah. I, I can – like I said, I see this more than the BJ Novak. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, Mark Webb gets relationships yeah. He really does. He, 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 he does totally that really got well. It. Yeah. I mean, if you've seen 500 Days of Summer, I mean, that is a fantastic movie. It is a fantastic yeah. movie. You know, even uh, if you're in a shit relationship and you're watching 500 Days of mm-hmm. Summer, it's a good day. It is. It's a great movie for hope. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I can personally speak from experience. I, I, uh, after my divorce, that movie came out right after my divorce, and that movie helped me get through a hard time. Yeah, me too. So yeah, they really get the awkward moments that follow breaking up. They in really that movie. do. It really nails. They me. really do. That was a great movie. Um, director Mark Webb. He's still not confirming that there will be a Spider-Man Black Cat romance, though. He said in the comic books, yes. Who knows what's going to happen with that in the future, but there are a few possibilities we're exploring, but in terms of theme, that's certainly an interesting thing to play with. So, yeah, he's not giving away everything. (laughs) (laughs) I think he knows damn well what it's going to be. Yeah. Now, Peter shows up. What were you going to say, Jay? I'll say he'll do whatever the studio tells him to do. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, Peter shows up after 10 years of not seeing, you know, Harry Osborn. And Harry uh, is in the board meeting, comes out to talk to him, and Harry seems really distant. Yeah. Really distant. Like, you know, like he doesn't want anything to do with Peter Parker at this point. And then, you know, Peter says he starts talking about his dad's death and and just wants to know how he's doing. And, uh, you know, I think after he can tell that Peter genuinely cares, because I don't think since he's come back – like nobody is like really said like I'm really sorry you lost your father. Yeah. It's all about oh you've got the company now and everybody's just trying to fucking usurp him and get his power. And it's like you've got this guy who's not coming to him with those intentions and you've got somebody who genuinely cares and like that again that's my Spider-Man. Yeah. Right. I think that, it, I think it took um Harry a minute to realize that was the case, you know. Right. So and as Peter Parker is getting ready to leave and walk away uh, that's when Harry says, "Hey, you got your braces off." Yeah, and he's like, "Nothing to distract from your unibrow." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then you know Peter starts to laugh. Love it. And then he's like, "Hey, do you still blow, blow dry your hair every morning?" <laughs> yeah. 
And then they're playing off each other. And this is where Mark Webb really excels in these relationships because then Harry says, yeah, one of my manservants holds the dryer <laughs> for me as I dry my hair in the morning. And this is where they really, this is where he really gets relationships. Like this is a scene I really liked. Yeah, for sure. You know, even though we didn't have Harry in that first movie, I mean, I think he did a really good job of showing like these guys do know each other. Yeah. You know, and they reconnect. And uh then we get that scene where they're at the down at the river by the bridge oh, and yeah. with the with the skip in the rocks and everything. It's all in the wrist. Yeah, it's all in the wrist. <laughs> right. Uh, but at the same time, they're being spied on and listened to by Donald Mankin, mm. the guy who's trying to usurp, you know, uh, Harry. Um, and, uh, you know, talks about, they, they talk about how Harry's dad sent him away and then Peter's left him with Aunt May and Uncle Ben. And, uh, I think this is kind of the reason why they connect, but it's still like, it's like no talk of Uncle Ben. And that kind of bothered me. Yeah. But I understand why they did it for the story. Yeah. You know, this is like their connection. This is why these two connected, you know? So. I, 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 I thought it was a good moment between Harry and Peter. It's, it's that moment that you know from the comics where they do understand each other. It's almost right. like the Joker and Batman where they understand each other. Right. And that's why they don't totally obliterate each other. If it wasn't for Dane DeHane's acting, this would suck. Yeah. But I'm going to go with Jake here. That they did a great job in the Raimi films of setting it up over three movies, the friendship, better. The exactly. friendship was – because by the time it got to the third movie, it was like it, – it was emotional. It was emotional. Yeah, I agree. You can say whatever you want to about the third movie, but they had two movies to show the relationship between these two yeah. as to where this, they kind of shoehorned it in into one film. That's true. Okay. I mean, if it wasn't for Dane DeHane's acting in this, this would have been shit. It really no. was that moment where you felt that they had a connection. Yeah. It was that moment where he's like – I am in this sense, like I'm getting over my father's death and I'm running a fucking, you know, a multi billion dollar business. Right. As I, Harry Osborne. And then all of a sudden he relates to Peter again. Yeah. Like he finds his humanity. They, they start talking about how he's dating a model over yeah. in Europe. <laughs> yeah. They start joking around. And then, you know, he finds out from, you know, Peter that he, oh, he's dating somebody right. named Gwen Stacy. But before that, you're like, Harry Harry has a chip on his shoulder. Yes. And you understand it. Yeah. But at the same time you're like he's lost his humanity. Well until that point right. where he meets Peter again, he's he like He even says, like, hey, you know, like when I left this place, I tried to free everything about this place. Yeah. Even you. Yeah, you gotta drop it all cold turkey if yeah. that's what you're trying to do. Right. And you know, for once I can actually justify Peter not bringing up Uncle Ben to Harry. I mean, he's not trying to be a dick and like one up him with tragedy. It's like, oh, yeah. well, you got this tragedy, and I've got, you know. Oh, shit. Yeah, I lost my parents and my uncle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what up, <Yeah>. motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And my hair looks better than yours. Yeah. <laughs> so on this on this scene, I think it's a little bit justified. But on the flip side, we can look at it and say, like, oh, at least my parents love me and Uncle Ben love me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you you had your dad, and he, he fucking hated you. <laughs> yeah. That kind of sucks. Yeah, it does suck. It does suck. Poor, but, poor I mean, Harry. Yeah, poor Harry. You know, and you feel bad for Harry. Uh, you do. You really do. It's not like it's not like these villains are like just like villains to be villains. Like they are trying to flesh these characters out. Like Electro, you know, Max Dillon becomes a villain because like nobody cares about him. He's just an afterthought. Nobody cares about him. Nobody notices him. And on the you know, and then and with Harry, like his dad doesn't care about him, and he's fucking dying on top right. of 
that. Right. What what I think is so cool about Harry and Norman's story in this particular, you know, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Their story is all about survival. Right. They're trying to survive. Yeah. It's not necessarily about being evil. Right. It's just we're trying to survive. And whatever we have to do to survive, we're going to do it because we have this curse or whatever, quote unquote. And well, I think it becomes like an obsession with Norman. Like he views like this curse as like, I can beat this thing. Right. I can beat this thing. It's his Moby Dick. It's his Moby Dick. Absolutely. And it, it makes him go crazy to the point where he has actually, he, he's actually made his son, like he's actually hated his son because of this thing. Like I can't stop this thing. And he's not showing his son any affection because he wants his son to excel where he's failed. Right. But but what it becomes for for Harry is that nobody will help me. Nobody, not even right. the greatest savior of the city, right. will help me out right. to try and cure me. So nobody gives a fucks. And then that's when he takes his turn. So for Norman, it was different from what Harry was. Right. Norman was working for it. Everything I do, I'm going to do for this. It wasn't necessarily I'm going to step on people, but with Harry, it is with I'm, Norman. He wasn't stepping on people. With, with, Look what he did to Richard Parker. Right, that's true. That's true. I guess yeah. Richard Parker had to go on the run for his life. Yeah, and these guys work side by side. The videos, if you watch those videos at the beginning, they're talking about the advances that they're making in animal hybrid science. Right. Yeah. And he turns on him. Right. But but with Norman, it felt like it was more for you know continuing. I'm going to live. I need to live. And with Harry, it's like see with Norman, with both of them, it's I need to live. Yeah. See, the thing is, like Richard Parker found out that he was not going to use it for what he said he was going to use it. Yeah, he wanted to use it to save himself, but he was also going to use it as um, what was it? Uh, bio weaponry. Bio weaponry. Yeah. So it, I mean, he's lying to Richard Parker about what right. they're doing these sciences for. Right. Yeah. I. Yeah, Harry was such so well done. I I really feel like that's more why the electro stuff just felt so shoehorned to me. I think Jay really nailed it. Where that stuff just was really unnecessary. We could have spent all that time with Harry, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, you know, develop get the Green Goblin. The Green Goblin. We got a Gwen, we got a Gwen Stacy story. Yeah, we got a Green Goblin story. Why put uh, Electro in this? Yeah, I mean, to me, they could have just used them the same way they used the Rhino. Basically, is just. Seeing Spider-Man be Spider-Man, stopping right. Electro. That they, makes sense. They could have used Rhino just as well as they used Electro. Yeah. But, yeah. but to set up Harry Osborn as kind of this master criminal. I don't want, I don't even want Rhino to get as much screen time as Electro did though. He's not that interesting. No, I didn't think either of them were that interesting though, I guess is my point. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I think Electro would have been more interesting had it not been like the Spider-Man obsession. Yeah. Well, I, I think like you like said, this guy was fucked over by Oscorp. Right. That's what made him Electro. Right. Like he had no power in the company because like the company didn't give him any credit for any of the work that he did on the grid. So that's why he's angry. He's not angry because of Spider Man. That's silly. Yeah. 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 The whole thing could have been Harry Osborn. The whole story could have been the Max Dillon story. Could have been Harry Osborn's story. Right. And way better. Without yeah. Electro, but they had to include him to to add the threat. And I'm saying they could have done that with Rhino. They could have kept him in there and made him the main protagonist, right. destroying the city, making Peter Parker do be Spider-Man 24 seven, 
and then and then bring in a Harry Osborne. But yeah. they chose to bring an Electro, which I think is going to be played out down the line. Yeah. You know, I don't think this is anything. Compared- but, it, like, this all goes back to, like, when we were talking at the beginning, and I actually said, like, this movie just seemed like they were trying to do the Iron Man 2 thing and throw in a bunch of stuff that will shoehorn into future films. Right. Like, oh, let's get, in, let's get Electro introduced. That way we can set up our Sinister Six movie. Yeah, because th- we're going to see more Electro, you think? Yes. Yeah. Sinister Six. Yeah. And I'll talk about that at the end of the movie because I know exactly who the villains are that are going to be introduced in the Sinister Six movie. They said a few weeks ago, like, oh, we don't, we haven't set our Sinister Six yet. Well, yes, they have. Hopefully Gog. And I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you who's actually going to be in it. So now, uh, after they're talking about, you know, they're skipping the rocks and all that shit. Uh, we find out that, uh, Oscorp, uh, has actually been spying on them. You know, uh, Donald Mankin's been spying on them and listening and stuff like that. And, uh, let's see here. Um, which some of that was left out of the credits. I mean, like the main, tr- the trailers that we saw where Harry Osborne was saying, we've been spying on you, Peter right. Parker. That never even happened it in was, the movie. It wasn't in the movie. Yeah. That never even happened. Holy shit. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. And I'm waiting for that to happen in the movie. Never happened. It never happened. Yeah. yeah we've been watching you. Yeah. That never even happened. Quite, quite intriguing or something. He says something like, yeah. I don't know why we've been spying he's on you. Interesting because he's at like, like that, uh, that table that's got all the, yeah, where yeah. he's got it's all lit where, up. He, where he finally figures things yes. out. Yeah, yeah yes. where he gets the, the cube to work. Interesting. Right. I never even figured that out. Yep. Um, I, okay, then they're being spied on. As they're being spied on, we see Donald Macon talking with that guy in the black suit. Yeah. They never give his name. He's just known specifically as the man in he's the black an agent. suit. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's talking about Max's death. And they're trying to cover up Max's death because they don't want it to get out to the press because that's more bad press for them after, especially after the lizard shit yeah. with, you know, Dr. Connors. And they don't need this kind of bad press, especially now. <laughs> um, so Max is in like a, uh, like a morgue. Right, and I mean, he's within Oscorp. Yeah, you see, like a, a like a, a shell incinerator. Yeah, incinerator, and I was thinking, like, oh fuck, they're gonna burn him right and then now. He's kind of covered up in cloth, but you can tell he's kind of in, he's he's in like a shell. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like a rock like, hard shell, like a rock hard shell. Like he'd been like. Uh, I don't know. Turned to dust. Something, or, or yeah. stone or something like that. Yeah. And did anybody else get a Dr. Manhattan vibe from him? Like when they saw him? Yeah, when he... Oh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Reformed. Uh, when he reformed. In, yeah. Uh, he wakes up and he starts to become Electro, but you can tell he's really weak. And he starts to get up and walk. And then they go... They flip between scenes, like Electro becoming Electro. And then they flip to a scene where Gwen actually calls Peter on his phone. And I think this is like where Mark Webb shines. And, and a lot of people are going to say it's sappy. And all these scenes between, you know, Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker are sappy. But I mean, they're trying to show these two love each other. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? They're trying to show how much they love each the other. The whole time. And, and couples are like this when they're in love, especially after, after like a breakup and like they, they get reunited. Like you can get sappy and reminisce and talk about things that you missed about that person. And that's what they do in this scene. And this stuff feels right in the Spider-Man universe, unlike other comic book movies like Batman where we're shoehorning Nicole Kidman or Katie Holmes or whatever. And this stuff belongs in the Spider-Man universe. It's not like it's just something we're throwing in there for the ladies. Right. (laughs) Spider-Man and all his relationship drama, that's part of Spider-Man and a very big part. 
So it's you a know. huge part. That's yeah. that's one of the things I loved about this. I think the Gwen Stacy Peter Parker romance was fantastic. Yeah, and Mark Webb plays to that strength. That's what he does. This is what he does. He's great at relationships. And this whole movie to me was about that romance. And, yeah, and you don't see that in other superhero movies, even if they try and do it in Thor. Or Captain America, some kind of fucking love interest. You, I'm, don't, you don't really give a fuck. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. never buying it in fucking Thor. No. What does he see in Natalie no. Portman? Right. I don't get it. That whole, even though you know the backstory of right. those two characters, you don't give a fuck. Right. But with Spider Man and Gwen Stacy, you yeah. give a shit. Yeah. And he played it to those fans that actually give a fuck about that romance. Right. It was. This is a huge story in comic books. Yeah. Gwen Stacy and Spider Man. Just Spider Man in, in any relationship yes. is always a big deal. Right. It's like it's in the Batman movies. Like I was saying, you just every time you don't buy it, you never see Vicky Vale. Yeah. All, <laughs> you never give whatever the woman of the he movie. He doesn't is. give a fuck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's. Ugh. But yeah, it's right. It's right at home at Spider Man, and I think it's one of the reasons why all the Spider Man movies are such a big success. Is they really cater to all audiences. It's yeah. not just your superhero comic dork. You know, everyone wants to see this movie. It- this scene made sense to me too because she had just gotten off the elevator talking with Max Dillon, and this is why she called him. It's not like she just called him out of the blue. It's like she wanted to see how he was doing, and you know. They're still in love, you can tell, but she tells him that she still just wants to be friends with him. Uh, and they flirt a little bit, and then, and then she says something like, but we need to establish some ground rules. No, it's Peter that says we need to establish some ground rules. Right. And he says, that laugh, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> and she says, well, if I can't do that laugh anymore, she's like, you can't tell me that I look amazing. Right. And then she brushes her nose and he's like, well, you can't do that thing with your nose. <laughs> and she's like, gets all cute and says, well, it's so fucking I've, true. It's so true. Yeah. You know, I mean, you start th- all those things that you never noticed before when you're reunited, you start to notice those things that you miss yeah. and you talk about them. And that was true to life. That's true and people to Peter can, Parker. It's true to Peter Parker. And you can say like, oh, that's sappy and that's bullshit. But no, that's Peter Parker. That's the character. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. I'm, I never was complaining about any of the stuff with um, him and Gwen. That was all handled very well. Right. Can, can I just say like from the comic books, why I love Spider-Man was his relationships right. with Mary Jane or Gwen Stacy. Those were the big things for me was like – this crazy fucking – he's also a superhero, but he's also this super genius, like, nerdy kid. Right. And for me growing up, that was a big thing that I related to about Spider-Man. Because you're a super genius. That No, but it, it, <laughs> I'm super nerdy. I'm not smart whatsoever, but that's what made it hit home was, right. like, this awkward fucking kid – that also had these ideals and these morals yeah. about how to live his life and right. what was important. Unlike Batman, which was – also something I admire, but which was totally the opposite, was like, I'm the stoic dark side. I'm going to fuck you up if you do evil. Yeah, revenge. Spider-Man was all about, I'm going to do the right thing. Yeah. I'm going to do the right thing, whether it's my relationships, whether whatever it is, Yeah, for the right reasons. And so you understood that. But they took that away from like Uncle Ben not being like yeah. a major proponent. They took it away from Uncle Ben, but they added it to Gwen Stacy they did. where it's they like, did. I'm going to do the right thing by right. you. Where it's like, I have to be really fucking careful. Right. About I just wish we would have got a scene where she's like brushing her nose. I wish we would have saw Dennis Leary again brushing his nose. <laughs> <laughs> and shaking his head. Shaking his head. No. <laughs> I don't have allergies and you better not fuck my daughter. <laughs> 
give my daughter some Claritin D and fuck off. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I think that's partially a fault of the first movie, though. Right. I don't think it's a fault of this movie, necessarily. I think it's a fault of the first movie, that that was so... Just kind of, I think that was shoehorned into the first movie. I'm dying. Hey, Pete. You know this this lizard guy just fucking impaled me. I'm dead. Sorry, bro. Don't fuck my my daughter. You know, that's what it felt like to me. But this one, even though it was unnecessary amount of right. flashbacks, right? <laughs> Saying, hey, no, Pete. <laughs> bro. Hey, bro, don't do that. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> I, think it, I think it was a fault of the first movie. Okay, that's so fair enough. It, 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 it is writing. You know, there is a fault in the writing. But I think Mark Webb gets relationships, and I think he did a great job here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we get a scene. We flash back. We see Electro walking down the street. And as he's walking down the street, all the cars are starting – the car alarms are going off. The headlights are coming on. And so we're getting like, okay – you know, he's, he's starting to charge these cars and this is where he pulls the energy from that headlight and we, and he starts to realize like, okay, this is what I need. It's almost like an instinct. Like he needs to become powerful. Right. Like he needs this energy. He feels weak, you know, after coming out of this state where he was like almost in that cocoon or whatever you're talking about. Yeah. And, uh, but then we see the city in the background and it's, it's lit up and then all of a sudden, boom, it even lights up even more. Like he can see in like a sixth dimension. Like a sixth sense, like he can see all the electricity pulsing through, you know, Manhattan. And I thought that was very cool. Like we got to see the city and electricity through Electro's eyes. Yeah, that was neat. The Electrovision. Yes, very cool. Uh, Peter slips and when he's talking to Gwen, they cut back to them and he slips that he's been following her. Uh, when she, he says something, she says something about this, you know, restaurant that she likes. Yeah, like coffee place. Or and whatever. he's like, "Oh yeah, I knew you liked that place." And she's like, "It's only been open for like a month." Like, <laughs> yeah, how did, you know? how did you know? And she realized that he's been following her. It's because he loves her and he cares about her. Another great, yeah, relationship yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and she's, you know, it's not like he's been a creeper, but he's trying to like protect her and he's yeah. looking out for. Her. He's Spider Man for crying out. He loud. misses yeah. her. That's what he took. Even when they broke up, we all knew that neither of them really wanted to break up. No. Each other. Absolutely that's what not. made it so powerful yeah you know agreed uh she tells him that she's possibly going to england that she's up for a scholarship to oxford in molecular medicine and this kind of like worries peter like you know she's moving away like i'm what's gonna happen what about us you know he's thinking like we're gonna get back together and you know like she's moving away and like this worries him uh, at the same at the same time that they're having this you know in depth conversation, this is cool. I liked how they incorporated his Spidey sense going off. Mm. Yeah, because the Spidey sense goes off. It's like okay, yeah, let's you know, fans. We knew as soon as like he turned and looked towards the city that his Spidey sense is going off, and Electro is in the city now, and he's wanting to get energy from the underground power grid, miles away, miles away. Yeah. And I like that. I liked how they did throw that in there. Very cool. I wish they would have used a little bit more of a Spidey sense. Yeah. But the fact that they did it, I was very happy with it. And you could tell that they used it. Yeah. The Spidey sense is so hard to convey, like, theatrically. Right. So, but yeah, it was neat. He was in one of the most important moments of his life, and he turned his head. Yeah. That was huge. Right. Huge. (laughs) It was very cool. Very emotional scene for me. Yeah. Um, now, you know, we've got, uh, Max Dillon as Electro now, and, uh, the, they see him lift that grate up, 
and nobody's still paying attention to this fucking guy wearing a hood <laughs> and he's got a blue face and shit. Cop. <laughs> and but he lifts up the grate and he puts his hand on the cables and then the one cop sees him, like you said, and then he calls in other cops and uh <laughs> This is when the truck is coming right at him and Electro first, like, out of just, like, instant reaction, uses his powers and uses his electricity to take this truck and kind of, like, lift it up into the air and guide it and flip it over. And then he explains, like, it's not my fault. And then on the screens that are in, like, Times – is it Times Square? Yes. He sees his face on the screens. Like, all the screens have his face. And he's like, you see me. Yeah. And he loves the attention. He loves that people finally see him. What an attention whore. Right. And like you see his face. Exactly. But, you know, he's been ignored and they've made a huge point of showing that throughout the film. Like nobody notices this guy. So now he's all on these screens. So everything's kind of like culminating into this one moment. And then the police start to throw those little gas bombs. And then he gets angry. He's like, no, no, you guys don't understand me. I, I, I don't want to hurt anybody. And, and then he uses his electricity as he's angry and he like, like shoots it downward. And like, you see this ripple of electricity as these cars, police cars go <laughs> flying. And then they start to shoot at him. And I thought this was cool. The effect that they used when they shot at him and he puts his hands up to protect himself out of instinct. But the bullets, when they get there, they just disintegrate. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah. That looked very neat. Uh, Spidey then comes in and he tries to help and he's like, Hey sparkles. <laughs> and he's like, remember me? Uh, and, and he's like, uh, and then, and then he's like, he's like, I can't, what was it? He's like, he can't remember his name. Right. Yeah. But he remembers who he is. He rem- he, he, yeah. It finally, like, Spider-Man remembers him. who he is. He yeah. says you're my eyes and ears. Yeah. But he doesn't remember. His yeah. Name. And then uh, Electro talks about how he has all this power, but he's he's really scared. And he's like, I don't want them to shoot at me. I, I just want them all to see me. And then the cops at that point, you know, when everything kind of starts calming down and they're talking, that one fucking asshole cop <laughs> takes a shot at him. <laughs> as and as always. soon as that cop takes a shot at him, he's like, you lied to me. You lied to me. And he starts to attack. And, uh, he starts to attack and then he, and then Spider-Man saves some people and now Spider-Man is on the screen. So the attention is taken away from Electro. Spider-Man is now displayed on the screen and Electro hates this. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's being looked at as the villain and then, uh, he gets, Spider-Man gets electrocuted and his web slinger, it's, I think it's his right web slinger gets electrocuted. Yeah, it gets like fuzzed out. It gets fried. Yeah. yeah. Um, now guys, uh, I talked about this a little bit earlier. Is it just me or did the whispering voice that accompanies the music just take you out of this scene? Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. The, the Pharrell Williams soundtrack score. Okay. Okay. I get the electronic dubstep sound that they used. It was kind of silly, but I get it because they wanted the music to sound electronic because we're, we've got a character called Electro. But the whispering was just weird. Yeah, we we I, I felt like we didn't need it so shoved in our face that this guy was thinking right. these things. Right. It was like an obvious portrayal of the scene. Right. This guy is mad at Peter Parker. Yeah. Fuck Peter Parker. If you didn't catch it, let me play it okay. for you. I can't wait.
a bad 90s song. Yeah. Well, thank you, Skrillex. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, seriously, I, I don't need a song to, I mean, I just play the electronic dubstep, whatever. Okay, get your point across with that shit yeah. if you have to. If you want to play your little Tron music or whatever the fuck you're doing. Oh. But you don't need somebody like whispering, he lied to me, yeah. he shot at me, he did this to me, he made me me. Yeah. He, he betrayed me. me. He betrayed me. <laughs> yeah, that was so fucking horrible. It was bad. <laughs> in, ca- in case you guys didn't know, watching this movie. Right. I don't like this guy. I, I couldn't understand <laughs> what the voices were saying until I just hearing it from you. I could tell that there were voices saying things. It took me, it took me out of the movie so much, Jake, yeah. that instead of actually watching what was happening on screen, yeah. I was listening to that fucking voice. No, it did the same to me, but I was trying to listen to it and couldn't make out what it was saying. He lied to yeah. me. He shot at me. He doesn't like me. <laughs> I don't know. It was stupid. It's my birthday. It was like Gollum talking to him or it, something it like that. It was terrible. It was bad. Oh. Yeah, I didn't really care for that at all. So that kind of took me out of that scene. I thought what I thought could have been a really cool scene. I didn't really like it. it. It was one of those moments where I was excited like up until that part. Mm-hmm. And then I was just kind of staring yeah. at it being like, what? I, <laughs> I understand this guy's character at this point. I right. don't need a you, further explanation. Right, right. Do they really think we're that dumb as viewers that we don't get it? Like we have yes. to have some douchebag whispers. This guy hates Spider-Man because he can like Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't need that explanation. I get it. He's right. fucked up. He's yeah. crazy. I yeah. get it. Um, the scene where he saves the people on the stairs. Did you like it or did you not like it? The way it was filmed. I want to know because, um, you know, you had a lot of like slow motion matrix and, yeah. and stuff like that. I liked it. I liked the way he saved them, but it was like, it was almost kind of forced like, oh, okay. I don't know. Explain this, Jay. I, I like it better when the effects look a little bit more natural. I mean, I know it all, it's all CG with some of that stuff, but when they do stuff like that, it, it kind of takes me out of it, and it gets very PlayStation-y to me, real video game-y. Did it seem like in this movie, like, where the, all these battles happen, like, there was, like, a... Like every they every every time there was a fucking battle between a bad guy, like they had like a gate and everybody like all all of the city was behind a gate watching it yeah. and like enjoying it. Like, like it a was Street a show. Fighter two background. Yeah. <laughs> like 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 if it was me, it was like holy shit. Okay, all right. Uh, I might get electrocuted. I'm gonna fucking go home. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, guys. I'll meet you at the bar down the road. But right. you know, I, I'm standing here. I might get electrocuted. Yeah. I'm gonna fucking leave. It was like Ghostbusters two, or you know, with the with, yeah, with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, with yeah. Ghostbusters one, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Everybody was sectioned off, <laughs> and they're just enjoying it. <laughs> right, oh, right. This is great, yeah, yeah. Get your hot cocoa. It's awesome. <laughs> at to least, be in New York. at least in Superman two, where Superman's fighting all these people. These people are trying to get the fuck out of there, but you know they're getting blown all around, right. and like you know they're you know and they're even trying to stick up for spy, uh, Superman at one. point point in time these people are just like oh okay we're gonna stick around and watch this shit ah, i might get electrocuted whatever <laughs> maybe the, that maybe the music was hypnotic <laughs> <laughs> the police department had it totally under control yeah the whole fucking time. sure they did yeah. yeah so only a few people were hurt but 
Otherwise, yeah. I did like how he saved the people on the stairs. I, I thought it was I cool liked it. How he uh, It showed his fucking prout. He powered. was well, he was resourceful because he only had the one web slinger. He uses science and his superhero. And ability. just like when you put your finger uh like your thumb over a uh, like a hose and the water goes splitting yeah. off into different directions. He used that to save everybody and stuff like that. I thought it was cool, but the effect was kind of like, oh, hey, welcome back to the Matrix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. But I think, I think it was kind of a cool scene. He saved all those people. They were happy that they saved his lives. But, um, then, uh, this is where Electro starts attacking people. And it's like you see him just like, you know, he realized he's flying at this point. Yeah. He's hovering, and he realizes he has all this power, and he's just almost like the fucking emperor from fucking Star Wars. Yeah. And he's just like zapping people, zapping, zapping, just finding his real power. And it's scary. He's just attacking the populace of fucking Manhattan. And uh, out of nowhere, Spider-Man hits him with a fire hose. And they cut to the scene with Spider-Man, and I love this. He's wearing the fireman's hat. I fucking love that. That's awesome. I loved it. I laughed. I thought that was funny. I did. I got to admit it. And then he gives high fives to the fireman. I thought that was really cool. I liked it. Yeah, no big deal in the long run. Right. I figured this out. That's another thing yeah. you'd see in the Spider-Man comic, you definitely, know? Definitely, definitely. You know, Spider-Man with the fireman hat on, and it was cool. And uh, at that point, they'd kind of, like, uh, subdued Electro. And, uh, you know, later on, of course, we find out that uh, he's been subdued, and he's at Ravencroft. Um, in this movie, then, they cut to the point where um, Spider-Man is using his computer. He's going to find out more about his parents. And I thought this was great because instead of using Bing, like in the first movie, he's using Google. <laughs> yeah, finally got with the tie. Thank you. Sense, yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck uses Bing? People, people that are paid to advertise <laughs> What's it. What's this Bing thing? <laughs> What's this newfangled Bing? Nobody fucking uses Bing as a search engine. <laughs> and so I thought it was great. Spider-Man finally caught up at the times. Like Jake said, he's fucking using Google. That's great. Yeah, Spider-Man should be the master of the World Wide Web. No. Shit. What the fuck? <laughs> now we see Harry Osborn. He's sitting at that fucking desk, you know, in Oscorp. In Oscorp, the building just looks fucking awesome. It's very it cool does. layout. Oscorp yeah. looks fucking amazing. I love it. I yeah. love the way it looks, everything. Very it's, kind of demonic, horned looking. Yeah, yeah very like cool. Yeah. And uh, Harry finds, uh, he's got that uh, cube. And it falls out of his hands onto the table, and bam, the table becomes interactive. It's yeah. a computer. What a happy accident. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and this data block, that's what I'm going to call it, it, it shows – him for the first time it shows him the specs of the battle suit yes and and then the video of his father talking about the radioactive isotopes and human dna and spiders that could make him a human uh make him uh make a human possibly heal themselves uh it's almost like the same research as dr connor's with the lizards that regenerate mm-hmm. yeah um and then they cut to a scene where Spider-Man is uh, testing uh to keep his web slingers from frying he's using those batteries and he's like using those batteries, and every time he uses it, the battery explodes. Yeah. And so he's like, "I'm gonna need a bigger battery." <laughs> so he grabs another bigger battery. He's finally got this fucking like diehard fucking like car battery, and this thing still fucking explodes. Yeah. You know. Uh, so he's trying to find a way to keep his web slingers from fucking frying every time he battles Electro because he's you know worried about that. Yeah. You know? 
So can I can I just mention? Yeah, this is the scene where we see Venom webbing. Okay. Okay, please explain this. There is a scene that's very purposeful that I think a lot of people probably miss, where Peter's working out in this garage shed area, and they definitely come from a uh, uh, they come from a long perspective of this wire that looks. At first glance, like telephone wire or something that's connecting from like your garage to your house, right? Some kind of cabling. Um, but in this instance, it's totally venom webbing, where it's very like fluid and like it does not look like a straight cable. Okay, so for when people watch this, I watched it and I was like, "Holy fuck! What the fuck is that?" Right? Okay, it looked like venom webbing, the black webbing that looks like goo. Hanging from wherever point they started from, and the cameraman pans from the beginning of the starting point on wherever this cable is to this shed or garage where Peter is working. Yeah, and it's venom webbing. Absolutely right. It looks like a bunch of fucking moss or something is hanging from this webbing, but it's all black. Okay, it's all totally. Did you notice that, Jake? No, I did not. But I I didn't either. I'll bet money that the Venom suit was developed by Parker's parents too. Oh, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. There was other spiders involved, but regardless of that point, this whole shot—they shot it from the beginning. Like if you were looking from where this wire started to where it connected to Peter Parker's garage or shed, they started from that point and purposely made that shot. It's like a two-second shot, period. And it's got the venom webbing. I have to see that again. I've seen the movie twice, and I still didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't notice that either. I did like the part, though, when he got the call from uh, Harry Osborn, and he went to go web-sling the phone and bring it up to him. He accidentally got, like, that crowbar. (laughs) Yeah. Hit himself in the head. Yeah. I thought that was funny. (laughs) Yeah. But it it was just a really weird scene because it made no sense. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking about anything. You're just... You know, waiting for the next part in the film, and all of a sudden they show this webbing going across this telephone wire to his shed or garage, wherever he's working on this equipment to make it so that he can deal with Electro. Right. That's when they show it. And it's wow. totally fucking there, and it's totally venom webbing. It's totally black. I might ink, have to watch this again. Totally to see black that. webbing. And you're just like, why the fuck is that there? That's crazy. That doesn't look like a telephone wire. It's not a fucking telephone wire. I did not notice that. I didn't at all. notice that either. I know what scene you're talking about, though. So definitely, oh, I do too. I'll definitely it's a check. quick shot. It's two seconds. It's literally yeah. two seconds. And most people that don't reckon, and it's totally like you said earlier. You mentioned Todd McFarlane. I think a lot of this fucking movie borrowed from Todd McFarlane. Yeah, a lot of the look of the new Spider-Man outfit, the way he looked. In the scenes was very Ty McFarlane. Yeah. Well, this fucking Venom webbing was totally Ty McFarlane. Venom webbing. Very cool. Starting at a starting point, going to his garage, two-second clip, that's it. If anybody else knows about this scene that Jay's talking about... Definitely talk about send it. Send yeah, some comments Because it. It, it took me out of the movie. I wasn't looking for it, guys. Yeah. I wasn't like, I'm looking for Venom. You just saw it. It was just this scene where it's like, that's goddamn Venom's webbing. Why the fuck is that in there? It's over. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, then uh, Peter gets a call from Harry. He wants to exp- uh, to see him. And this is where Harry explains that he's dying. And um, he, we all know that... Uh, and then they have the meeting, the scene of the meeting between, you know, Peter and Harry, and they're talking in Oscorp. And, uh, he's like, 
I need to see Spider-Man and I need Spider-Man's blood to cure my, to cure me. And he's like, you take all these pictures of Spider-Man. I want you to set up a meeting between me and Spider-Man. I need to talk to him. Um, so set up a meeting. He's like, I don't know if I can do that. I'll see what I can do. You know, yeah, get on the spider phone. And exactly. <laughs> get Spider-Man down here now. Pronto. So, um, then we shoot to, we cut to the scene where Gwen is actually on the, after Gwen has witnessed this battle between Electro and Spider-Man, she starts putting some things together and, uh, she gets on Oscorp computers and she starts to look up Max Dillon and yeah. she can't find anything. Like he, like he's a ghost, like he never fucking existed. Hmm. That sends up some red flags to some guys in Oscorp and she starts to get followed. And uh Peter tries to buy her time to get away. And I love this scene where Great moment. Yeah. Where <laughs> the man in the black suit where like Peter like, you know, gets the coffee, spills it on him and like <laughs> Whoops. Oops, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that scene. And then uh then they there's a time where they meet in the maintenance closet. Yes. Peter and oh, was that before that? Well that that happened right before that where he like trips that guy right. up. Before, like, while he's chasing Gwen Stacy. That was a very Matrix moment, by the way, where she gets found out in the cubicle. Yeah. And she has to run from the guys in the suits. Yeah. Very Matrixy moment. But I thought that was fantastic. And then when he plays that, you know, oh, sorry, oops, oops, sorry. And he's doing all this shit to distract the guards while she escapes. Right. And they had this all planned out. I like the line that she used in the, in the, uh, maintenance closet where she's like oh i'm sorry that i didn't pick the bahamas i know i know everybody spots everybody in the theater was laughing <laughs> right, out loud right. and i thought i was the only one that thought that was funny i thought it was great but everybody was fucking right, laughing it right. was a great little scene where right. it showed their intimacy yeah like they totally understood each other yeah um let's see here gwen then as she's trying to leave leave oscorp she meets uh harry yeah uh, osborne for the first time in the out elevator. of nowhere out of nowhere yeah um and uh you know he explains you know she explains who she is and like he realizes oh this you know this is peter's love, love interest and he knows damn well who right she is. <laughs> and he talks about why they're good for each other and he says you know that's why peter parker needs you to help make his choices clear yeah <laughs> he's telling her right. i fucking know buddy right <laughs> Um, then we get the scene, they flash to Ravencroft, and, uh, we hear some classical music playing. And what they're doing at Ravencroft Institute is they're trying to keep him depowered and keep him contained, Electro. And Dr. Ashley Kafka, uh, says they're, they're there to help him. And they says, they say that they're there to study him. And there's like, he's like, you do realize, Electro's like, you do realize you locked me in a prison that runs completely on electricity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're torturing him and yeah. like they're taunting him the whole time. And, uh, Electro's like, I want everyone to see me for who I am. And he goes, and who are you? And he's like, I'm Electro. Yeah. And he taunts him some more. He's like, oh, okay, you're Electro. And like, you know, then they, put him back under the water and shit. You know, it's just, they're fucking torturing this guy, studying him, trying to figure him out. And, uh, what did you guys think of that scene? I thought, I thought Kafka was a little over the top, but I thought everything else was kind of cool. Yeah, it was okay. It was, it was a kind of a neat scene. I yeah. Guess. I, I enjoyed it knowing Kafka. I mean, Kafka was originally, I think, a female character in yes. the comics. Right. And, um, and she kind of, 
like uh, almost worked with every member of the Sinister Six, except for maybe Carnage. Carnage wasn't an official member of the Sinister Six. Right. But she worked with his character in this Ravencroft, you know, kind of asylum-type institute. Um, and, you know, he was kind of like, you know, I'm going to figure you out. I'm going to, you know, make you a weapon for Oscorp. And Electra's like, no, you know, you don't fully understand who I am. I loved it. It was very reminiscent of, you know, I think for me, like, Darth Vader's path. Right. As far as the Sith being tortured and eventually turned into a machine. I think that was kind of the same almost thing that they were playing with Electra was like, you know, they know he's a damaged individual. Well, because of that fact that he's a damaged individual, they're going to turn him into a weapon. And I think that's what Ravencroft is, and we'll probably see more of that later on with the Sinister Six and what Ravencroft really is. Mm-hmm. But I really liked um, uh, Kafka's... Uh, and, and his demise in the movie. As oh well. yeah. yeah, yeah. I got a question for you guys. Yeah. Did did Electro get all his gear from Ravencroft? Because that was really confusing to me. Good question. Where, I never even thought about where that. Where the fuck did his gear come his from? His gear had- was very fucking confusing, and that was the main thing I was pissed off about. Sorry, was <laughs> was his fucking gear? Where did he get the goddamn gear? Yeah, he's got nice little lightning bolts on his right. arms yeah. and a chip in his head. And where did he get all his gear from? I, I don't know. Oh, know. man, that's a good question. I mean, you can only assume that Harry gave it to him. It really bothered me that all of a sudden he's got a nice get-up. Yeah. Maybe he showed up in the scout ship in Superman, and then I don't, <laughs> and then, and then Superman's father gave yeah. it to him. But I, I think I think that the whole Ravencroft thing was a cool – was actually uh, good for his character, for Max Dillon Electro's character. Right. That part really played into – why he would be so vengeful. Right. Why he would be so fucked up. Well, because Oscorp sent him there. Because yeah. Oscorp sent him there and also was trying to fuck with his head. Yeah, the but time. the fact, the, 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 like, going back to what we didn't like is we didn't like the whole, like, vengeance against Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, you know, like, all you it need is... It should have been Oscorp. Vengeance against Oscorp. Yeah. Like yeah. that, yeah. Spider-Man's not torturing him. Exactly. Why, why would he be so willing to go with Harry? That was the big question. That's why they did the whole Spider-Man thing. Yeah. And I, it's because, okay, Harry, when he did see the data, part of the message, uh, part of the data that he saw was the video of Max in Ravencroft. Yeah. And talking about how he wanted to get back at, at Spider-Man. So then, you know, after Spider-Man, did we get, we didn't even get to that point. Did we get to that point no, where they not no yet. Not, yet. not yet we're jumping ahead again as usual as usual <laughs> I agree with you Brian though yeah. about um he didn't need to go after Spider-Man it's still a threat that Spider-Man has to take down right. even if he's just going after Osborne Exactly exactly It's not like that erases the fact that Spider-Man has to stop he's him He's still a danger Yeah he's, Spider-Man's still the hero and he's not going to stand by while this guy's ravaging this Agreed. guy's company so, Agreed. so yeah we didn't need that it would have been far more interesting to not have mm-hmm. it be with Spider-Man either. I agree. So, um, let's see here. Uh, Spider-Man shows up to talk to Harry Osborn and he then just, you know, basically tells him that he's not going to give up his blood. And we see the first piece of the, uh, hyperplasia. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the skin. His skin is discolored on Harry's neck. I really liked that. Seeing that made me get excited for what he was going to look like when right. he became the Green Goblin. Yes. Um, I actually didn't 
see the pictures before the movie of what Green Goblin was going to look like when he became Green Goblin. Right. I saw the artist's uh, concept art, but I never saw the actual pictures except for like some of the trailer stuff. Yeah. So that little scratch got me excited. I yeah. was like, oh, you can see the green under there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <And the> scales. <laughs> Spider-Man, he then explains he can't give him his blood because he doesn't know what it's going to do. You know, we know that Peter Parker is worried about like either like killing him or giving him the same abilities. Yeah. And then Harry Osborn starts to freak out and he's like, fine, what do you want? You want money? And he's like, no, I don't want your money. He's like, everybody wants my money. <laughs> he's like, I don't want your money. And he's like, Harry's like, I thought you were supposed to save people. And that's a good point. You're starting to really feel sorry for Harry at this that's point. That's exactly when you start to feel for his character. Right. Yeah. You know, this guy just doesn't want to die. And this pisses Harry off. And then Spider-Man ends up, you know, whipping out the window <laughs> and Harry's like, you're a fraud Spider-Man and hits like the pill that uh, hits the couch and like lays down. And like, this guy's like thinking like, you're supposed to save people. I'm going to die. He hears yeah. that whole thing while he's sitting outside. Of oh his yeah. Window. Yeah. He's and still listening. That, that was a big point too. And that's always been a big conflict with Spider-Man for right. me is like, why wouldn't he? Right. You know what I mean? Well, he's so, afraid of what else it could do besides true. save Harry's well, life. Well, it could do all kinds of things, but wouldn't he risk that to save his friend? You know what I mean? Sure. And, and he doesn't do that. Okay, like, no, think about it this way, Jake. Let's say that you had a blood type that could only save Jay. Like, I'm sure you would, like, donate blood to save Jay. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, that's the same thing. It's like your brother is dying, and... That's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. I agree, but it felt like that only through Harry's perspective. I I thought we still got through Peter's perspective that it was an unknown what this blood could do. I don't think it was a given that... Well, well, I, I felt like it was, like... Peter not wanting to share his power in a way. Well, yeah, to me, that's what it felt like, too, was, like, he finally built this reconnection with Harry, and then he knows he's in trouble, but he's not going to help him, even though he knows he possibly can. I think it would have made, it would have had a lot more weight had Uncle Ben said, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Then it would have made sense, like, okay, I don't think that Harry can handle this responsibility. But see, I thought Spider-Man 2 made a point that he only got his powers because of his genetics in the first place. Like, it wasn't going to work. I know, but he didn't know that. Okay. He didn't know that at this point. Well, I, that was not made known until later on in this movie. Okay. I, that was not made until later on when we see the subway scene. Gotcha. And I kind of feel like that's always been the thing with Peter Parker and Harry Osborn was that he wouldn't save him. I feel like that's always been the thing, that... That's the confliction. That's the thing you take away from that relationship is right. that I'm not going to save him because I don't know if he can handle this responsibility. That's what I was thinking too. Right. Like I don't know if based on his character if he can handle being this. Right. I don't it's, know. It's not necessarily about being a dick and yeah. saying I'm not going to save this guy. Right. It's about I know that Harry cannot handle. Like, oh, I'd give you my blood if it was just normal blood. But holy shit, if I give this to you, I don't know if Harry, the person, Harry Osborne, the person, can handle this type of power and right. handle it responsibly. Right. And so, and, and realistically, Harry takes that very badly. Right. And, I, you know, I would too. Any, I think anyone would in that situation. But on the flip side, guys, what if Harry Osborne had this power? Would he give it to Peter? Mm, probably not. Absolutely he, not. He seems way too greedy for that. I agree. And that's what he sees. 
But that's also the conflict, and that's the great part about their relationship as hero and arch nemesis. Right. Um, then Gwen interviews at Oxford, and uh, that kind of hits home with Peter again. You know, that was a great scene. Yeah, it was the whole scene. Oxford scene was great. Yeah, I liked it. She needs to hurry up and move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she actually is going to be leaving actually three months sooner than she was supposed to. Uh, She's like, I think she was going to go there during the summer instead of waiting. Uh, she talked about going there even sooner. So it's like she's leaving like, Im- you know, immediately. Uh, Peter gets, uh, mad, uh, when he gets home about his whole, the parent situation again. So it's back to the parents and he gets mad and he tears up all his research about his parents. And he throws that Casio calculator that he's got. And then within the Casio calculator, we find these subway tokens. Mm. And he starts to piece it together from something that Aunt May said earlier about his father uh, taking the A uh, – what is it? The, a certain subway train station every morning to work. Yeah. We totally skipped that scene between him and Aunt May. And Aunt May reveals – yeah, what was that? We totally skipped that. Aunt May talks about – his father and mother and how he – after he was dead, a couple days later, a couple agents came to their home. Mm. And these agents said that the research that he had was so valuable that what he was going to do was take this research and sell it for money. Right. And that's why they left. And that's what the agents told them. That's yeah. what the agents told her. So his parents left for money, and that's when the plane went down. So he did it all for greed. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, Peter's kind of struggling with this. Like, oh, that's that's the real story. My parents are like, I can't believe this. I'm like, my dad was just a fucking like money hungry guy and just wanted to sell information that he had, you know, all this research that he had done at Oscorp. And so, you know, he's mad about his parents, takes the bag, throws the Casio computer, finds these tokens, and then remembers something that Aunt May said about the subway and the subway that he took every morning when he worked from, like, you know, 7 to 6. Yeah. I Uh, thought that was kind of cool about the detective side of Spider-Man that isn't really brought up a lot. Right. Like, you have the, you know, the scientist Peter Parker, the very intelligent kid – but at the same time, he was also a detective. Right. You know, just as much as, like, Batman's detective was. Like, he could figure this shit out. He's very intuitive. Yeah. And that was a cool part about it is that they brought that into it, that he figured that out. Right. And Aunt May was still under the impression that his parents were kind of deadbeats at that point. Yeah. And so she was kind of like, why don't you love me as much as you love my parents? Right. Or as much as you love your parents. Right. And I thought that was kind of a big ode to the whole un- Uncle Ben story, too. Yeah. You know, it was like, why do you care about your parents so much? Is this the scene where he makes the uh, map in his bedroom right after this? No, that actually happened quite a bit earlier, he's, right? We passed that He's by. actually getting mad and tearing it down at this point. Gotcha. Really quickly, I thought the music during building that map scene was atrocious, too. Like yeah. The whole thing felt like an insurance commercial with that song playing and everything. Right. Yeah, oh, it did. A little bit. I, yeah, I mean, it felt like an AT and T commercial. Yeah, like I was like, oh, some people are, you know, I don't know, <laughs> reaching out to family members and crying and shit. Yeah, oh, it was like some Coldplay or something really. Weird <laughs> it was like very that. Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. You're right. But I was into it. I was into it. Oh, 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 oh. I was yeah, like, that's on. what it was. <laughs> you care about right. your parents. Yeah, exactly. Right. But yeah. I thought it was a cool scene. I, I like that part because it did show 
the de- <laughs> it did show, it showed the detectiveness side of Peter Parker where right. he's piecing all these pieces together of his life of what he knows of his parents. It, it beats the Nickelback song. Yeah, can you play Spider-Man this music too? while Jay yeah. explains it? Yeah, <laughs> I'll throw that in at the end of the episode. <laughs> Um, uh, we get the scene where Harry's actually talking with uh, Felicia, and uh, they never say her last name in this movie. No, no. But uh, he's talking to Felicia, and then she tells him, you know, he's talking about like, you know, I'm gonna die, and uh, you know, uh, all I need is that uh, that spider serum. And she's like, she tells him that the spider venom. She uses the word venom. Yeah, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. Yes, has been extracted before they actually destroyed the spiders. Uh, it's somewhere off the books, and it's called Special Projects. And then he goes in and looks at Special Projects uh, through that computer, and he sees all of Oscorp's secrets. And um, then, yeah, that's when he sees the Electro speaking about the world without Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, he starts starts to put some things together. Um, they set up. Harry, like, what is it, uh, Donald Mankin? Yeah. The, the Weasley motherfucker. He, they set up Harry as the one who covered up the whole Max death. And then they throw him out of Oscorp. Yeah. I like the kind of, like, the eye glances and exchanges between Harry and Felicia this whole time. I thought yeah. that was cool. Um, special projects, not the most uh, undercover, covert name for this project. <laughs> right. Not quite Blue Harvest <laughs> by any means. <laughs> You'll never find it. Uh, Cloverfield. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> secret stuff. Project secret stuff. Right. Shield. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? The thir- what is it? The thirteen spices from yeah. the Colonel or whatever. Oh, yeah. It was. It was very Nick Fury. Shield. The whole Norman and. Harry Osborne's situation was very Nick Fury kind of, you know, we're going to play this out as long as possible. So we've got to stress this universe out. Right. And so in order to make it broader, we're going to say this is a covert op within Oscorp Corporation yeah. to create these kind of super beings, these super soldiers. Right. Um, then we get, uh, you know, they throw him out of Oscorp. Uh, Peter uses the token in the subway later on. He goes to that subway and he uses the token and it reveals the secret subway car. He gets to see all of his dad's research and then the video of his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, the full video. You know, we saw part of the video at the beginning of the movie, but we get to see the full video. He sees his father telling the truth that his father was protecting the world from Oscorp. They were trying to use his research as biological weapons. And, uh, so, uh, you know, Peter realizes the father is actually more of a hero than he was, you know, uh, you know, some kind of guy that was just like a money hungry motherfucker. Money hungry right. But what, dad, but what yeah. Harry sees is his father trying to save himself and his family is what I took from this. What do you see? I see that Harry sees from his, his father's deathbed where he's telling him all these things about right. why He's researching all this stuff and what his legacy is. Yeah. Is to save him and his family from this Osborne curse, whatever sure. it is genetically. Well, I think, I think that he is trying to do that, but there's an ulterior motive. The, it, am I wrong? Ulterior, well, but he doesn't really, I don't think Harry sees that from his father. What his father is trying to tell him is that he's right. trying to save his son sure. from what's going to happen to him. Yeah, he doesn't see his father. He doesn't see it as a. And that's true to the Raimi movies too. Mm hmm. 
that's true to the Raimi movies too, because James Franco never sees his father for who he is. Yeah, right. he's always. That's the same thing. As a viewer, yeah. you know damn well what's going that's on. That's a good point. But at the same time, you see it as a power grab. Right. But the way he's explaining it to Harry is right. I'm trying to save myself. I'm trying to save you. Ultimately, even though I've been a fucking dickhead to you your whole life, right? I'm trying to ultimately save you. Yeah, and that's what he's Harry's blinded. Saying. He's like the yeah. whole reason you've been like this to me right. is just because you've been trying to find. And a that's cure. a great part about Harry and Peter. Yeah. Uh, we get the scene where Harry is, shows up at the limo at Ravencroft. He's going to break into Ravencroft because he saw the video where Electro's like, you know, fuck Spider-Man. And so he's like, I'm going to team up with this guy. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Then we see the video. They cut back to, you know, Peter Parker, and he's watching that video of his father. And he says – his father explains that the human DNA that he implanted into the radioactive spiders was his own. And he says, without, which means without me – Without my bloodline, Oscorp can never replicate the experiments. Yeah. So it's his bloodline that they need to replicate this experience, which ties back to the first movie when he got bit by the spider, which is why he was able to, you know, be the Spider Man. I really appreciated this scene. One of my biggest complaints about the first movie was, "What the fuck? Like, why didn't just a hundred people get bitten by these spiders? And why, you know, what the hell? They've got them all in the room. They're under key codes and Uh fingerprint scans. Well, they kind of tied it up with a nice neat little bow for you here in this movie. So I appreciated that. I thought it was a pretty big loose end from the first movie as yeah. to why, why they didn't just have a hundred people getting bitten by these spiders. Sure, sure. So. Uh, he also explains in the video how nothing is as important as his son, Peter Parker. Um, now, listener Adam, uh, listener Austin Shadowin and I, we were kind of talking about this on Facebook, and we were really worried that in the scene where he's watching the video that his father was going to say, with great power comes great responsibility. Oh, thank God he didn't. And like I said, if, if that were to happen, I, I would have given this movie a toss-it. Uh, I'm glad they didn't do that, but I still feel that Uncle Ben should have said it. Captain Stacy should say it. Anybody. <laughs> yeah, Captain Stacy. No shit. He showed up. He Godzilla should have said it. He sh- Captain Stacy showed up a hundred fucking times in this movie. Yeah, might as well drop the line. Might as well drop the it. line while you're at it. Shit. Hey, Pete. Hey. <laughs> I mean, that shaped the character and it's been left out of these movies and I don't really care for that, but we've already talked about that. So, um, let's take a little break. We'll come back and we'll finish off this movie. All right. I got a piece in Red Bull. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're back. <laughs> we're back. 
Hey. Hey. What happened? All right. Where are we? So we're at the scene. Harry and Electro, uh, they're talking, and Harry tells uh, Electro that he needs him. And so they break out together. Um, And, yeah, he's like, I, you know, I need you to get out of... I need you to break into uh, Oscorp and you need me to break out of Ravencroft. Right. So they form this bond and like he's screaming like, I need you, I need you. And then he shocks him with the fucking, what is it? The, like a taser taser or whatever. Yeah. And then they break out and then, uh, he's like, I can't get in there without you. You can't get out here without me. And then the plan is to shut down the power grid. And once they shut down the power grid, Spidey will come up, will come to, to Electro and uh, then he can stop Spider-Man. Um, then uh, they get we get the Doctor Manhattan scene where he dissolves and uh, then reappears, and then he tortures Doctor Kafki, Ashley Kafki, Kafki, yeah. just like he tortured him in the water. Um, and then we get the little scene where these like Harry's like, uh, where uh, who is it? Uh, yeah, it's Electro. He's like, you want to be my friend? And then Harry's like, I thought we were already friends. And he's like, I had a friend, but it didn't work. <laughs> and he's like, now let's, yeah, let's know, now let's go catch a spider. So, uh, <sighs> Peter gets a call from Gwen and, uh, she basically says, it's a voice message where she basically is breaking up with them and saying she's moving to Oxford, she's moving to England, gonna go to Oxford. And, uh, then they break into Ox, they break into Oscorp. Harry and Electro, and uh, what is it? They take, he, he uh, what is it? They killed Dr. Donald Mankin? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Electro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they did such a great job of setting up Donald Mankin. Who the fuck? I don't think anybody would know who the fuck this guy was if we didn't talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> He's my favorite character now. <laughs> He's amazing. <laughs> More Mankin, less Electro. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I do like the scene where, uh, Electro shocks him, like, in the chest, and he drops to the ground, and he's like, you think he's dead, and then Electro uses his hands to, like, defibrillate him. Yeah, <laughs> <Really>? yeah. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was kind of cool. Stat. And then, uh, they wake him up, Dr. Menken's back, and, uh, he wants the, uh, Harry wants the spider venom, and they go down to the special projects unit of Oscorp, and he injects himself with uh, the spider venom. And then we see uh, Harry start to freak out and morph. And uh, Dr. Mankin's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> he gets up in the elevator. Do we see him again? Or does he live? He lives, right? Mankin? Yeah. We better see him again. We didn't see him again in this movie. No, he just got no. the he got in the elevator and he got the fuck out of there. And then uh, we see Harry. Like, he remembers the goblin suit. So he starts crawling towards the goblin suit. Yeah. And he gets in the goblin suit. And... Uh, once he gets in the goblin suit, doesn't the goblin suit say something like, uh, you know, it's like healing? Regenerative. Regenerative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which his father did not use. Right. Apparently. Right. Yeah. Um, Gwen is on the bridge. She's going to, on her way to the airport. And, uh, then we get that very Charlotte's Web moment where on the Brooklyn Bridge, she sees it I says, love I you. love you. Yeah. yeah. Aww. So, uh, <laughs> she gets out of the cab and, Meets up with Spider-Man, and he says that he's going to go to England with her. Very touching scene. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow yeah. you, and the whole Jack the Ripper reference. Yeah, which is kind of like creepy. Yeah, he's never been caught. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of crime in England, and I'll be there with you. Yeah. Um, Electro then shuts down the power grid, and uh, 
they her and Spider-Man are talking about how there's a, an emergency reboot switch at the power plant. And so <laughs> that this, only she knows about it. This whole franchise is an emergency reboot. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Very true. Gwen, she then talks about how his web slingers like, did you do anything to fix your web slingers? And, and, uh, she says, uh, that sh- what they need to do is magnetize them. She remembers like an eighth grade science class, you know, he needs to magnetize them and that'll allow his web slingers to actually hold an electric charge and not blow up. Right. And, uh, so they, they arrive, uh, where that cop is with the car that all these cars have been, uh, there's a police car there and then he gets the jumper cables and the copper wire and then he magnetizes his web slingers. Um, and then, Gwen says, I'm coming with you because I know my way around the grid. And then he's like, okay, yeah, all right, let's go. And he webs her to the roof of the car so she can't get away. Yeah. So he's trying to protect her at this moment. And this is where we get the electro battle. And I loved this scene. Yeah, this was good stuff. Now, was the electro battle, wasn't this, didn't this begin with electro coming through Captain Stacy? One last no, time. No, was no, that no, 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 no. We actually, before that, we actually see his face in the building. Oh, gotcha. That was cool. Like they show this building and the lights and all the elect- like the lights and things like that form the face of like Electro and he says, do you see me now, Spider-Man? It's time to meet our destiny. And I loved that. I thought that was really cool. It was, you know, Electro using his electricity and showing how menacing and how big he was and uh, how much power he had. And it felt like it was straight out of a comic book or like a yeah. Spider-Man cartoon. And I love that. And he explains, he's like, I designed this grid. It's time to take back what's mine. I'll be a god to them. And Spider-Man, of course, comes back and says, a god named Sparkles? <laughs> and I like that, you know, Spider-Man being witty. And then Spider-Man gets zapped. And uh, when he gets zapped by Electro, he actually withstands the electricity this time. And he, he says, thank you, Gwen Stacy. And then as Spider-Man and Electro are fighting and bouncing between the towers and the grid, the electric towers, you actually hear a note, like a song, and it's the Itsy Bitsy Spider. Yeah. Which I kind of thought was kind of cool, and it kind of played back to like some of like the, the, the teaser trailers that they had back in the day. Um, didn't they have like when the ball dropped, you saw, like when the ball dropped on New Year's Eve, they had like that, uh, New York, um, special with Spider-Man, that trailer that dropped and yeah. they played. For the Raimi movie? No, for this movie. Oh. Yeah. When, the, when, okay, when the new year came in, they had like a special like, uh, presentation, I think, in like Times Square where like, you know, like, uh, Electro showed up on the screen and was singing the It's a Bitsy Spider. Gotcha. So this tied into that whole thing. And, um, basically Electro's blasting Spider-Man with electricity and you can kind of tell that he's in trouble at this point. And that's when Gwen Stacy comes out of nowhere driving that police car and she hits Electro with it. Now, I'm not sure if this is the same car, but during an act towards the end of this movie, there's a police car in a shot that can be seen. And the car number on that car is 1701, which is the registration of the Star Trek USS Enterprise which makes sense because the movie was written by Alex Kurtzman and yes. Bob Orsi, who wrote the last Star last two Star Trek movies, which I that kind of thought that was kind of a cool little Easter egg. Yeah, it was fun. Um, Spider-Man, right after that, tells her, like, you shouldn't be here. And she's like, whatever, we're a team, and I'm here to help you. And she's like, you need me. She's like, I know the grid specs. 
he still wants her to leave. And she's like, this isn't up to you. This is my decision. This is my choice. I'm here. We're a team. And she explains that if they can overcharge the uh, overcharge Electro, like the battery in Peter's test when he was trying to make his web slingers invulnerable to the electricity, that they can make Electro explode just like the battery. <laughs> and she runs off to the control tower, and Peter sees her father again in that vision yeah. <laughs> right before being attracted by Electro. That scene make you jump? Did you? Did it get you? It did. It yeah. did. It did. It totally made me jump. It made me jump a little because you bit see too. you see Captain Stacy, and then boom, he like vaporizes or whatever, and you see Electro coming right at you in the screen. Um, so Gwen, she's uh, basically Spider Man. Then uh, battles Electro with his magnetized web slinger to, re- uh, and he uses the his web slinger to reconnect the cables in the grid, and he's getting blasted by Electro the whole time. When Gwen hits the switch. Electro gets overcharged, and we assume that he explodes. Um, you know, but we've also seen him dissolve yeah, himself yeah. like Dr. Manhattan at certain points in this. But we assume that he's dead. Yeah, if you don't see the body, that's kind of the rule Exactly. Here. All we saw was that little earpiece that was on his head the entire time. Yeah. And Spider, uh, so Gwen now has so far saved Spider-Man quite a few times. She's also saved the entire city from being powerless. Uh, I mean, there was that plane that would have crashed into the other plane had they not, uh, you know, she, had she not reconnected the power. And then the hospital that had no power, uh, a lot of lives would have been lost. The, the, the hospital that Aunt May was working in. Yeah. I thought the plane stuff was overdoing it a little bit. A little bit. It was like, what's, we didn't what's need even that. going on here with we, this plane going to crash into another plane? We didn't need it. We understand the power, the city needs power. We don't need planes to kind of convey that more. Yeah. The threat was big enough. Exactly. And, and that felt like, well, it was, out of left field a lot to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. We even got introduced to like people on the plane. It's yeah. Like, it was really weird. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and the controllers. Didn't the woman on the plane look a lot like Felicia Hardy? And I was like, what is she doing on the plane? <laughs> yeah. That, all that stuff, that, that was an easy cut, I thought. Right. Now, when asked, uh, the relationship between Peter and Gwen, Emma Stone, she told Total Film that she saves Peter more than he saves her. Yeah. Uh, she says she he's she's incredibly helpful to Spider Man. He's the muscle, she's the brains, and mm-hmm. I, I felt like they that happened in this movie a lot. Yeah, I agree. It, it worked way better than say Pepper Potts, right? Yes, in Iron Man three, my God. <laughs> now the Goblin uh, flies in, and I think Dehane has a great Goblin laugh. I thought it was really good. I liked hearing it, kind of an echo, and you kind of in IMAX. I don't know about uh, well in 2D too. It works. I saw as well. it in IMAX 3D. Actually. You did? Yeah. I, yeah, we all saw it in IMAX. Like you could hear him off to the like the right hand side of the screen. Yeah, you know, you could hear his like laugh, and I thought that was really cool. And we get our first look at Harry Osborn as the Green Goblin here. Um, and uh, apparently, it took three and a half hours for Dane DeHane's makeup to be complete when he was in his Goblin costume. The suit, which weighed fifty pounds, it looked uncomfortable. It took about an hour to put on. Now, what did you guys think of this makeup? Uh, his Goblin suit and the glider. I want your thoughts on each of these. <sighs> yeah, I the suit was weird. I, I, the glider was the best glider so far. I think. It looked right. really neat, but the, the suit is still weird. It looked all robotic and Terminator-like, and it mm-hmm. had the weird things going on with the ears. And I don't know. I thought the makeup was was really well done. I could have thought he'd been. I, I was hoping he'd be more green in the face. Yeah, I thought with the makeup better done, you don't need all that cyber technology on his face. Right. 
Yeah, well, the cyber technology on his face was distracting. Yeah, I, I think the cyber technology was a perfect, like, almost frame of the Green Goblin, you know, original costume. Mm-hmm. I think it had those little side scoops. <clears throat> you see kind of this cybernetic thing go on his face, like on his temples. But I think that kind of framed his face in a way that the mask or the hood would have right. of the original G- Green Goblin. And, of course, he had his hair kind of in a scoop. Yeah. Which kind of looked like the hat of the Green Goblin. And then you had the glider, which kind of had these big pointy feet, almost, like the Green Goblin would have. Right. I mean, it was a fantastical costume. The original Green Goblin costume is ridiculous in today's standards. I agree. To to replicate that. I I agree to an extent. I want to see a hood, though. Electro gets a hood. He's going to get a hood. I guarantee you he's going <laughs> to get right. a hood. I've got um, – uh, there was an interview with Collider and uh, uh, Dane DeHane and um, Jamie Foxx sat down with somebody from Collider and they talked about the costumes and I'm going to go ahead and play that for us cool. real quick. Be- being serious for a second. I'm, I'm, this is a huge movie, uh, lots of moving parts. When when you get involved in something like this, you obviously I'm not sure how much control you have over the look, the costumes, how much it's like you interacting with the department and how much you're being sort of told. So I am curious, how involved were you guys in the look and feel of your costumes? And I have to ask, were you nervous? You might be this generation's mis- uh, Mr. Freeze. Uh, well, you know what was crazy is like a lot, when people say Mr. Freeze, if you're not my age or older, you may not remember Mr. Freeze. Because, like, people would come up to me and say Mr. Freeze, and I said, ah, well, I don't know if my daughter remembers, you know, w- which is interesting because, Whatever. you know, like, I've been at this for 25 years, but there are kids out there who are eight or nine years old yeah. who see me for the first time. It's a trip, you know, so they don't really have that, that reference. But, uh, but what we wanted to do, though, we wanted to be compelling. Like, even when I was Max, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to really play a character, like my old In Living Color days, the, with the bald hair and, and bald head and everything, so that when I did turn into Electro, you knew, that he, you knew where he was coming from. You knew why he was upset. I'm, I'm just curious about the look, and you know, because you have a specific look that they've revealed now in the posters. Yeah, you mean the the Goblin yeah, look specifically? All that stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, we we uh, it was the people at Weta Workshop that were, kind of had Goblin duty, and um, they developed the suit, which was just like amazing from the start and uh you know i think the most badass villain suit i've seen and um so that kind of stayed you know we we kind of kept that but then in terms of the face that we went through several incarnations trying to get just the right thing for the franchise and to make sure it was rooted in reality and rooted in the script but still honored the green goblin of the past so um you know there's certain things in there like for instance the uh the, the the hair it's crowned in the front and swoops in the back to kind of give the shape that the purple hood always had and i have the ear technology that is in the shape of the ears again to give the classic shape of the goblin but still to uh to bring him into a modern day and give the old a new green goblin and um and i you know i i had input on that i mean obviously the people that doing it were the experts but i definitely uh helped to develop it I already have to wrap, but I just have to ask you real quick, if you don't mind. Uh, when you got the script to what people are seeing on screen, how much changed along the way? A lot, for- of, cha- a lot of changes. A lot of changes as far as the script, what you see on the screen. And a lot of it comes from wanting, wanting to make it kid-friendly, wanted to make sure that the kids, because I know there were things that were taken out with his fight <laughs> scene with uh, Spider-Man, and uh, there was a scene that I had with my mom as Massa was taken out. You know, So it was some, a lot of things that were trimmed. 
Cool. I got to go already. Uh, both of you. All right. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of those scenes that he mentioned a little bit later. There were two different endings to this film that were extremely more violent than what we actually saw in this movie. And I'll talk about those two endings as we get closer to the end. Can I really quickly say Jay nailed it on the uh, Green Goblin costume? There. Totally. Pretty much gave the exact same description yeah. that Jay just gave before. Yeah. Jay nailed it. Um, but I did want to play that because I did think that, you know, we were really worried about the Electro look and the Goblin look. That was very fascinating. I um, I like how Jamie Foxx didn't deny that it looked like Mr. Freeze. He just kind of subverted it into saying that, hey, if you don't remember it, it won't bother you. If you watch the actual interview, I could kind of tell like he'd heard this before and he was a little annoyed by the question. <laughs> yeah. You know, because he'd heard it before with yeah. the Mr. Freeze. Yeah, I hear you. And, you know, like he was like coming out and saying like – and I think like it did look like Mr. Freeze at first when we first saw like the first promotional like – pictures yeah, without of him. seeing it moving and right. sparkling i think it looked actually kind of good on screen though I, I i thought i thought it looked okay it wasn't terrible it, it wasn't was, terrible. it wasn't what was wrong with this movie right agreed um so like like i said let's see here uh so harry takes gwen as the goblin um and realizes that harry uh, that that peter is there with gwen stace that that spider-man's there with gwen stacy and puts it t- two and two together and realizes you're Peter. Yeah. So now this is fucking personal because not only did he thought Spider-Man turned him down, but now he knows that Peter turned him down for the blood. And he's like, he looks at Harry and he's like, you know, what did you do? Cause he sees the transformation. Peter looks at him. He's like, what did you do? And Harry looks at him. He's like, what you did to me, this is what you made me do. And he kidnaps Gwen Stacy and takes her up on the glider. And then he's like, let her go. He lets her go from the glider, flying above. And Peter grabs her, saves her, and lands on a platform within this clock tower. So now we're in this clock tower scene. And we see the first pumpkin bomb explode. Yes. On yeah. that platform with the clock tower. I like the look of the new pumpkin bomb. Very cool. Yeah, it did look very cool. Um, this whole sequence, just starting from when you hear the goblins first laugh all the way to this clock tower sequence, the movie just was a heater for me. Yeah. Like at this point it was Tupperware all the way. It was fantastic. Yeah. The battle in the clock tower, um, we get them two fighting and, and, you know, there's a lot of web slinging and trying to keep, you know, Mary Jane, uh, not Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy safe from harm's way and, and uh us as comic book readers we kind of like think we know what's coming and we see the web you know he he strangles you know um w- he uses the web and the gears to strangle Dane DeHane as the goblin and it snaps Dane DeHane back into the back of the wall of the tower knocks him the fuck out and then the web snaps once this happens and we see the slow motion fall of Gwen Stacy falling from the clock tower as Spidey jumps downward and then he thwips one of his webs at her and it finds a space in between all the falling gears and the pieces of the clock tower that are falling and it latches onto Gwen as she's falling and he grabs onto a metal rod and he stops and it's... And it's wanting to use the web as sort of like a – he's wanting to use the web as sort of like a bungee yeah. to save her. 
but then there isn't enough space between the ground and the web and we see her body literally bounce off the ground and you can see her just dangling dangling there from the web motionless and it looks like it just snapped her neck and hit her head very, very hard. Uh, it was gut wrenching. I couldn't believe it. I mean, they played it so well. Like all the all the comic geeks like knew yeah. that Gwen Stacy dies in the comics, but you still didn't expect Hollywood to do this. to go through with it. Yeah. And I mean, the he shoots the web. You see the web slow motion dodging all the stuff. I think yeah. it even kind of forms into a little bit of a claw to try to catch her at the last minute. Yeah, it even seems like and. It was just stunning. Like even after this happened, I, I was like, she's not really dead, you know. I just couldn't believe that Hollywood did it. It, right. it was a really ballsy move. Well, even the way he he played it off, where he was like, "Oh, you're okay, you know, come back, you right. know, breathe." You think the whole time that she's still alive until later. I, as soon as I saw her hit the ground, man, the way she hit, and you heard the. Th- and it wasn't like a, a splat or anything. It was just like a thud. Yeah. Like yeah. a thud. Like, bam, she hit and she came back up. And and this scene was very emotional for me. And I don't care how many times you've seen it in the comics. It was still really sad and emotional for me. Yeah. And uh, the part where he's just looking at her and crying. And, and you could see the emotion, the tears coming out of his face. And then... The fact that all of a sudden you see this little bit of blood come out of her nose. Yeah, that's when you knew. Oh, God. I mean, I'm seriously, like, tearing up in the theater. Like, Mark Webb has done such a great job to show the love story between these two characters and then the loss. Yeah. You know, you've had... you've had, And and this whole movie has been about loss for Peter Parker. I mean, he lost his parents. He lost Uncle Ben. You know, he lost Captain Stacy. You know, he's been losing, you know, Gwen Stacy... You know, not only in a relationship, but losing her to England and he finally gets her back. And then we have the loss of Gwen Stacy again. It's just like, how much can this guy take? Well, even the loss of Harry Osborn. Yeah, the loss of his best friend. I mean, and and we're watching another loss here in a life, another life that's been lost because of, and it it feels like it's because him being Spider-Man. That's why he lost her. And this is where he kind of like, Hangs it up for a while, but, yeah. um, you know, like we talked about, you know, and we heard Jamie Foxx talk about the different <laughs> endings in this movie. Uh, there were several different endings in this film, including one where the goblin, uh, snaps Gwen's neck with his bare hands. Oh shit. But this was deemed too violent for a PG 13 rating. Um, a version where the goblin fatally stabs Gwen was also filmed. Uh, ultimately, both were cut and were replaced with the version that is seen in the film, which closely resembles the comic book version of the events. Yeah. Yeah. Another ending, according to the actors, was that the original Goblin versus Spider-Man fight was longer and more violent, but had to be cut in order to keep the PG-13 rating. Jeez. Things that were cut included a scene where the Goblin is conscience when Gwen dies and laughs at Peter as he cries over Gwen's body. And a scene where Peter almost beats the goblin to death after Gwen is killed. Oh, yes. I really like the goblin laughing scene. I wish that would be in there. I hope maybe director's cut. <sighs> that man, I don't even know if I could handle that. Oh man, it was. I think it was perfectly played. For, yeah. for what they were trying to do, you know, I I think they could have played up the goblin character more. All right. Which would have been, I think, equally as cool. But I think the way they did it subtly. To where you didn't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't know. 
even from like reading the spoilers, like I'm on top of this shit every fucking day. Yep. And you know they put out, oh, we know that Gwen Stacy dies. But then Sony or whoever put out, well, she doesn't die in this film. Well, no Mark Webb wouldn't even come out and say. Right. Yeah. And so you didn't know. Yeah. And then when I saw it, I was in that disbelief that, you know, maybe she doesn't die in this film. Yeah. And for that to happen the way it did was very emotional. I mean, it was very reminiscent of, like, you know, the first Batman movie and Joker in the, and, and, and the Batman in the in the uh, cathedral. Right. In the clock tower. Yeah. Same situation almost. And you have this, you know, his ultimate nemesis, you know, laughing at him. That laugh alone from the beginning when he does laugh at him and flies in is enough. Yeah. For me. Now, during these scenes, uh, it harkens back to the comic book when Gwen Stacy, she's wearing a mint colored coat and a purple skirt. Uh, this is a reference to the uh, controversial uh, night that Gwen Stacy died arc in the comics where she wore a very similar outfit. Now, what's even cooler and was an Easter egg is during the scene where Gwen Stacy died, the clock's tower hand, it spins rapidly and then it lands on uh, 121. Uh, Gwen Stacy is killed in Amazing Spider-Man issue number 121. So kind of a cool Easter egg. And really quickly, just to show you, this is the actual page from 121 where Gwen dies. And it's very similar to what happens in the movie. Really, the only difference is is her neck snaps, not by hitting the ground, but just by the physics of the web not being strong enough to support her whole body. Mm -hmm. And basically, Spider-Man even more so in the comic, kills her himself. Right, yes. It's it's very traumatic. Right. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest, probably the biggest death in comics at that time. You know what I'm saying? Nobody saw it coming. Yeah. Well, unless you read the front of the cover of the book, which gave it away. But before that, the only people that died in comics were the Uncle Ben's and the Bruce Wayne's parents. Right. And the supporting characters like that were never, like, killed off in that fashion. It's true. One of the biggest moments in comic history. It really was. That's Stan Lee and Jack Kirby were just amazing when it came to stuff like that yeah yeah that's ditko isn't it oh ditko yeah you're right steve ditko you're right yeah and that issue itself might even be uh, ramada jr or ramada senior i mean senior yeah oh it's a gil kane issue okay jerry conway gil kane wrote that gotcha okay It it was one of those stories that i didn't read but i knew the story before i read it you know right. what I mean? It was one of those things that was you just knew it as a comic book reader that this happened in the in the Spider Man mythos. And so I'm glad that they did it. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting them to do it. I was expecting them to drag this out a little longer, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Emma Stone is such a you know, prolific actress right now in Hollywood, you know, and so it's like, Oh, let's keep it around a little bit longer but I'm I'm glad they did it. And I don't know about your audience, but my audience was shocked when it happened. My audience was shocked, too. Yeah, absolutely. I was shocked. A buddy of mine who's actually, he's uh, one of our Facebook posters, Mark Johnson, like, he was, he didn't know the story, and he was like, I love this movie, and like, I couldn't believe that she died. And I was like, yeah, it happens in the comics. He's like, I didn't know that, but man, I, man, it was really sad. It's one of those stories that they put on the back burner. And I think it's it, it it does discredit to the story of Gwen Stacy, and you know they make it so much about Peter Parker and Mary Jane, 
But you don't know this whole other backstory of when he lost somebody because of who he was. But in that way, I think it's very interesting. I've always appreciated that they don't ever use comic book bullshit to bring Gwen Stacy back. I mean, we've seen her in Ultimate Universe and other realities. But 616, really, she she's dead, dead, dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and for them to do that and, and make it a point in the cinema, cinematic universe when Mary Jane is such a huge character... To Peter Parker, right? To actually make that story prevalent was a huge issue, and I think that I'm glad that Mark Webb decided to go that route. Well, it's 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 just really cool that it's like it's almost like okay, Gwen Stacy's dead, but will will he ever love again? Yeah, right. will he, he ever love again? Is there right. is there love after Gwen Stacy? Yeah, he's going to have some serious issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some deep mental repercussions. From that. So we see uh, Peter Parker, and he, he goes and he visits the gravestone every day, it looks like. They, they show it over time. Great but like scenes. Different, mm-hmm. Yeah, some great scenes of Peter Parker. You know, you can see warm weather, and he's there in the wintertime. And it's a five-month period that he's visiting her, you know, on and off, uh, you know, just visiting her gravestone. And um, when asked whether or not Gwen Stacy would survive in this film, Mark Webb, the director, commented, he said, there are times where we feel obligated to follow the source material, and there are times where we feel the need to deviate from it. And besides, Emma Stone is a very talented actress, and we all like having her around. So ultimately, they, they, did, chose the, they did choose the route of the comic book, and I think they made the right choice. Yeah, <clears throat> it was stunning. Yeah, it, it totally fucking blew my mind, and, and it, it, it opened so many doors to many more possibilities in, in the Spider-Man universe than keeping her alive. You know, what does he do after this girl who he loves so much dies? Right. How does he become, how does he continue on as Peter Parker? How does he continue on as Spider-Man? Yep. Man, if I was eight years old watching this movie, that shit would have fucked me up. Yeah, it fucks me up now. It fucks me up now. Talk to the people that were around when the issue came out. Oh, man. And they'll tell you the similar story. Exactly. Of what Jake's saying. So, um, Ravencroft, we get another shot of Ravencroft, and um, um, we see uh, Gustav. Fiers, is that his name? Fiers or Fires? Yeah, Fires. Uh, okay. Gustav Fiers? Yeah. Gustav. Um, and he's talking to uh, Harry Osborn, uh, and he explains that he's found several worthy candidates. This is more set up for Sinister Six. And uh, he asks Harry, how many men did you have in mind? And uh, he says, uh, everything you need. And he said, Sevich. I'll start with him speaking back to, uh, you know, Paul Giamatti's character. Yeah. And, uh, Gustafier's in the comics, he's known as the gentleman. Uh, and he uses his money to get the Sinister Six together. So their plan is to start with, uh, you know, Paul Giamatti's character of Alexei Sevich. And we see that, uh, he's broken out of prison. They give him the rhino suit that which we saw the rhino suit in a scene. And then we also saw Dr. Octopus's, uh, you know, tentacles, and we also saw the vulture suits. Yeah. And, uh, so no Spider-Man for five months. Aunt May, we see a scene with Aunt May, and she's boxing up the last of Uncle Ben's things. And it's kind of like her way of, like, it's another one of those scenes where we kind of know Aunt May knows that he's Spider-Man. Yeah. I wonder where that spider guy is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or whatever it is. And it's her, kind of like her way of saying goodbye to Uncle Ben. 
And Peter then, you know, sees that she's putting away his stuff. It's not that she doesn't love him and she's like, like not trying to remember him, but it's just like her way of moving on and, right. and, and saying, you know, I love you, Uncle Ben, but, you know, I've got to move on with my life. So we see Peter go back to his room and he puts all of his Gwen Stacy mem- mementos and things like that in a box. And then he turns on, uh, a, a, like a, a file, a video of, uh, her valedictorian speech about hope and the future, where in the speech she talks about how even though they are all saying goodbye, you can take pieces of all those people with you throughout your entire life, and those people who help make you who you are, uh, you can take them with you throughout your entire life and help have them people shape you into who you are today. That inspires Peter Parker, and so he boxes up all their all of her you know, pictures and all the times that they've had together, and then he opens up his closet and sees the Spider-Man suit and realizes that she helped make him Spider-Man. Right. That that's something you don't have to put away. You know, that's the future and she helped shape him into Spider-Man. And so this is where we get the fight scene with the rhino. He's been escaped and we see Paul Giamatti in the rhino suit for the first time, <laughs> which still looks fucking ridiculous. He still sounds ridiculous. And he sounds ridiculous. <laughs> and we get the little kid. Yeah, which the, was a cool scene. That's what saved this scene. Yeah. And people can say it's corny as fuck. Jake, I'm already looking at you. <laughs> and you're thinking it's corny as fuck. I love that scene. But you got the little kid, and he's wanting to be brave. And like we talked about last week with that Batman, the Bat Kid. Anybody can be Batman. Anybody can be Batman. Yeah. And anybody can be a hero. And, and that little boy, the same little boy that was bullied, was inspired by Spider-Man. And he puts on the Spider-Man suit, wants to become Spider-Man, goes out there and stands up against the rhino. And Spider-Man, this is what, Spider-Man comes out and says, you know, you're the bravest little kid I've ever met in my entire life. And that's my Spider-Man, a Spider-Man that sticks up for people. And it sticks up for the little guy. Just the timing of the scene was annoying to me. Like, the windmill scene was great, and I went all at the windmill scene. The, the, the turbine, the, the wind tur- turbine. Yeah, yeah, but this scene, it's like... The rhino basically just stands there and just watches this play. Too. I don't think that we're going to show the rhino just blowing this little fucking kid away, though. <laughs> but that's exactly it's a, basically like a Pandora's box plot line like that, where it's like, well, we know this ain't going to happen. I know so he's you just going to stand there, and it's all subjective. I, I agree. I totally agree. You can look at it that way, or you can look at it another way. Like I tried to look at it the other way. Yeah, I just this one moment. It was it was like the cheesiest moment of the whole movie. For I me. know you can look at it. You can look at it two different ways. But I looked at it as a way of like I don't think that the like I don't think honestly I don't think we're going to see like the rhino blowing this little fucking kid away. Well, let's say let's say for the argument he doesn't blow the kid away. Spider Man's basically standing there taking part of the drama too. Blow Spider Man away during th- that part. Yeah, you might hit the little fucking kid because <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it really gives a fuck about whether or not he hits the kid or not. I know. I know. I I think it. He's already a failed member. I'm sorry. I I think it appeals to the true fanboy of who Spider Man is as the character. Yeah. This kid, this Spider Man, sticking up for the nerdy geek. There was no Spider Man for five months. This little kid felt like if there's no Spider Man, I'm gonna step into Spider Man's shoes. He comes out there. The real Spider Man shows up. But again, we've got a bunch of people watching this from the distance that could get shot. (laughs) Shot. I I know. I I know. It's subjective. You can look at it two different ways. I tried to look at it from the positive way and like think like, oh, this is my Spider Man and he's standing up for this little kid. This little kid's being so brave. I tried to look at it from a different angle. It was just like Pacific Rim where you have – 
you know, uh, the 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 commander in right. his kaiju yeah. and the young girl who's scared shitless right. about what she's doing. Sure. And he gives her hope. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. The kid yeah. gives him hope. And I think that's the whole point of the Spider-Man comic book series yeah. is that when you read I it. I know, but the more I'm talking about this, the more I'm seeing Jake's point. I well, fucking Jake, hate Jake, and Jake. I, I haven't said I haven't said anything else was sappy and annoying up until this point. <laughs> no. It's not like the whole thing I've been like, oh, that was cheesy. You have a great point. <laughs> I'm really trying to be an advocate yeah. for this, but the more I try to explain it, the more Jake it is just like the voice of reason. It, it's a great point, but. But for me, that's not good. For me, as a comic book reader, I can keep saying it's objective all I want yeah. to. But Jake's right; it's cheesy as fuck. It's, it, <laughs> it is cheesy as fuck. But it as is. a comic book reader, and as the ending of this film, right, you're left with this idea of hope. I know. You know what I mean, I know. That's the whole point they were trying to convey. And I loved it. I loved the little. I know. I did too until the fucking Jake. I I hope. I hope. I hope the villains have stronger convictions in Amazing Spider-Man Three. I don't think Jake will. Jake just wants to see that little kid die. (laughs) Kill that fucker! I'm I'm hoping Jake's hoping that Craven the Hunter is going to stab this kid through the back. I, th- I hope this kid shows up more than BJ Novak. <laughs> is, <laughs> is he Nova? Yeah. <laughs> the rumor is a lot of people felt that the little boy in the film, they thought that he could be Miles Morales. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, no. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no. No. But, but I, regardless of how cheesy it was, there was a lot of cheesy movie uh, moments in this, just like Five Hundred Days of Summer. There's a lot of cheesy fucking moments in this no. where it was just like, "Yeah, I get it. I get what you're trying to convey." But for me, this moment was the ultimate. Like, this is Peter <laughs> Parker. This is what he does, regardless of the situation. He sees this kid right. standing up to this guy, and he comes out and says, "Hey, man." Awesome job. I'm going to fucking go take care of this for yeah. you. It's not about what Spider-Man does. It's about what Rhino does that makes me so crazy. Well, yeah, Rhino. <laughs> yeah. I understand it. Yeah, yeah he's uh, just standing there letting this conversation take place. Yeah, he's just watching the show. Like, basically, <laughs> it's like a TV show to him. Well, the, the whole the whole theory behind the Sinister <laughs> Did he not? Did his little head popping out of that suit, did that not look ridiculous? Yeah. <laughs> <No>, yeah. <laughs> but, but the whole thing behind the Sinister Six. I know. The Sinister Six is... These guys are redeemable villains, and that's what they've talked about. Continuing I don't think this forward. That Paul Giamatti's character did not have a brain in his head. Though. No. <laughs> I, I, I don't really don't think. I always think about what you said, Brian. That it looked like a Jaeger took a shit, and Paul Giamatti yeah. climbed into it. I yeah. mean, that's the perfect description of that. That's true. That's yeah. true. I mean, the the design. I mean, we can talk about that for days, yeah. but. I think that scene was a good scene. I think it harkened back to what we like about people. All right. Yeah. Boo. So, <laughs> the, the movie ends. We get the credits. Then we get the fucked up mid-credits scene. Oh, my which, God. The mid-credits scene, of course, Mark Webb, he had a two-picture contract with 20th Century Fox, which he partially fulfilled by directing 500 Days of Summer. He was supposed to, I think, do another movie called 500 Days of Fall, yeah. which never happened. The second feature would have conflicted with his schedule for directing this film. Uh, to be released from that, uh, to be released from that obligation of doing that second film, uh, he, they shot the X-Men trailer. Yeah. They, they, they threw in that X-Men trailer from Fox. And they did it for free. And they did it for free. 
the film's med credit scene, it, sees, it teases a scene from X-Men Days of Future Past. Uh, while The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is produced by Sony, uh, this is a Fox movie. This, and so I, it, that was kind of thrown in there. It was kind of a weird scene with Mystique and Toad and breaking them out of this uh, prison, like military prison where they were going to get shipped off or something like that. It was fucking weird. It was fucking weird. The whole My whole audience was confused. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck is this? My audience was confused, too. Yeah, and I heard that's just a scene from the movie, too. It yeah. is. Just well, yeah, a scene. And, it, and it wasn't a good scene. It wasn't a good scene. Necessarily. Yeah. Uh, Toad, Toad didn't look cool. Toad looks stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. But what I, what I want to talk about is the credit scene. Yeah. Where they did show, like, schematics of what these other things that we saw in Oscorp were. And we saw some of... You didn't see any of that. In, oh, you absolutely fucking unless, saw it. Unless you use the Shazam app. No, 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 no. No. This was just like shots of the vulture's wings or shots of the tentacles from Norman Osborn. I'm not talking about what you're talking about. This is separate. When they when the yeah, in the background. The immediate credits okay. showed you know, just like blueprints uh, of like the vulture. It showed shocker. It showed Shocker's mask with fucking steam coming out from it. It's Mysterio. No, it was Shocker. No, Jay. It, it was the pattern mask. No, seriously. It showed the eyeball with the pattern etch mask when you, and smoke coming out from well, it. Well, when they've already set the the They've already set okay, if you use the Shazam app, it shows six pictures that reveal the villains. Green Goblin, Doctor Octopus, Rhino, Vulture, Craven the Hunter, and Mysterio. If you go online and you look at the pictures, they're labeled as such. Yeah, but that's already come out as discounted. They've already said that that's not true. They've the Shazam already, app is not yeah, true. It's not true. They, there was an update on that story that said that was not true whatsoever. I saw an update two weeks ago that said this was sooner. Yeah, but the Shazam stuff is officially licensed by the Spider-Man movie. Right. So I got to think that it's the gospel at this point. It's not. I, it's not. I, I, I have ga- this. If you're going to have... Uh, okay, who would you rather see, Shocker or Mysterio? No, I, I agree. Uh, I, yeah, it's not that I, I agree argument. with you. But they had Shocker's fucking mask. Watch the goddamn end credits. It's, 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 they it's, have his the mask. mask. The mask has a, I, it has a vapor coming out of it, which is Mysterio. No, it's the etched mask of the Shocker. The etched mask, the diamond-plated mask. Maybe I can explain. I know what Mysterio looks like. I know, and I know what Mysterio looks like, too. I can show you the picture. But hasn't this movie proven that they've taken liberties on the way the fucking characters look? I agree. Does Rhino look anything like fucking Rhino from the comic book? No, I agree. Does Electro look anything like Electro? No shit. I totally fucking agree. I totally agree. And why would they have Shocker and Electro in another movie? But this was Shocker's fucking mask. Absolutely. All right. I, I, I'm just saying. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just saying it's Mysterio. That's that's my opinion. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just saying too that that whole story was updated this week. It was not true. That is not the official lineup of the Sinister Six. And I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just saying. I read the story too. Right. I read the story too. But that story came out before this Shazam app was made public. And after it came out, they said this was not the official lineup of the Sinister Six. This was just an idea of what we could do. Shocker is not Sinister Six material in this universe. Mysterio is, in my opinion. Yeah, and the only reason I think it's Mysterio is just because of the Shazam app. I'm willing to take Jay for his word if it's if it's out there that that's not true information. Then maybe it's not. 
But it, most likely it's just a bad interpretation of a no, character. I'll say the mask in the picture looks like the Shocker. But with the vapor coming out of it, that's Mysterio. Well, I think they were just trying to portray that there was electricity in it. I don't think they were trying to portray Mysterio. It looked like vapor to me, man. I can show. It, it was totally vapor, but electricity causes vapor. I'm not saying that it wasn't Mysterio, but I'm just saying that there's vapor coming out that could be caused by electricity. It's not. I, it was Shocker's mask. I think our listeners are worried that after this podcast is, is over, me and you are going to throw fucking bows outside. No, I, 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 I'm not pissing you. <laughs> don't, don't worry, fans. I, I'll stop that. No, I mean, Jay, Jay, Jay knows his shit. And it does, I mean, the picture that you see, it does not look anything like Mysterio. Right. It looks nothing like Mysterio. No, I'll agree with you there. I, I'm not pissing you. I see this picture. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw it up. I'll show it to you. Oh, I, man, I, like I'm totally not pissing you or, you know, like, you know, being defensive. I'm just saying that it was Shocker's mask. And that this was updated this week that said that that Shazam app was total bullshit. I saw that article. I saw that article. Yeah. But I thought that article came out before the Shazam No, app. this came out this week. I believe that because the Sinister Sticks movie probably doesn't even have a finished fucking screenplay at this point. So they, they can still no. do whatever the fuck I, they I would love – I would fucking love to see Mysterio over Shocker. But I believe that because – They were even talking about uh, Mysterio in the Raimi movies. I think you're both right. I think Ro- Brian's right in the fact that it is Mysterio. Mysterio, but Jay is right in the fact that that is not the finalized Sinister Six lineup, and that it could still be any six people. I well, think. well, people are speculating that Venom would be in the Sinister Six lineup. Yeah, yeah, Venom, you know, Chameleon. We didn't see anything from Chameleon necessarily, but he is in the lineup. Right. So, but just what from what I'm seeing. So, so you know, let me take it all this back. I'm not discounting what you're saying. I'm saying from what I saw. From that clip at the... Would it be okay if I discounted what you said, though? You can't. (laughs) (laughs) But that that was the main thing, because I was really paying attention to that. The blueprints of these things that they were showing. They were showing Dr. Octopus's tentacles. They were showing Vulture's wings. They were showing all kinds of things from Norman Osborn's, you know, skid. Yeah. But at the same time, the one thing that stuck out was Shocker's mask. Now... I'm asking myself, why do you want Shocker after you've already had Electro? Why do you need that? That was always the case with Shocker and Electro. Why do you need those two characters? But that's what I saw. Right. So that doesn't mean I know shit about what the fucking Sinister Six lineup is. I don't know. I'm just saying that's what I saw. I'm I'm still trying to find these pictures, Jake. Uh, I, I have them. I just gotta find. Them. I went and got a soda during that. That's fine. That's <laughs> Truth be told, <laughs> a soda oh, pop. No. I totally call back. Call back humor. But I again, like you know, on that point, I didn't see anything else that told me anything else about what this was going to be. Nothing besides the vulture's wings and and a Dr. Octopus. That was it. No offense to you, Jay, but I hope you're wrong because I don't want the Shocker. The Shocker's fucking great. <laughs> the new Sinister Six series Are you the guys shock- talking about the character Shocker? Are you talking about two in the pink, one in the sting? No, no, no. <laughs> the new Sinister Six series with the Shocker. The Shocker's fucking great. All right, all right. He's it's, fucking great. And you guys it, have I, all been reading that. I've been reading So superior, don't act like you don't know that. It's Superior Foes of Spider-Man, though, which right. is the B-list team. Which and it's is, more of a comedy. Yeah. Like I don't want to see that in a actual Spider-Man movie. It's but more he of a, is the main thing but, in that series. Yeah, he was always in Deadly Foes of Spider-Man back in the day, which was also the same kind of thing. Right. Like the B-list. I, I agree. He's a shitty character compared to Mysterio, for fucking sure. For 
for sure, but I saw his fucking mask. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here it is. Here it is, Jake. I want you to come around here and take a look at this. Here it is. This is what Jay saw. Is this what you saw, Jay? That picture right there. No. That's this is it. This is what. That's not it. That is not it. Okay, this is the glider. That's Goblin. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna post these on Facebook too. Everybody can see them. I'm gonna post these later on, probably tomorrow. But that's the glider. Doctor Octopus's tentacles. That's Rhino's horn. That's the Vulture's wings. That's Craven's. Uh, is that Craven's axe? Yeah. And then that's Mysterio. You can see the vapor coming out. That's that's Mysterio. It's like a dome there too, kinda. Yeah. Okay. That's this. These these are the. Uh, this is during the uh, the film at the end of the movie. There's a Alicia Keys song that plays. And if you play the Shazam app, and thank you Gus Hoontite for like bringing this up to me, but if you play, if you if you tap on your Shazam app, it'll actually show you the Spider-Man experience through Shazam. It'll give you these six images. Okay, and this appears to be the end credits of the film to the, that reveals the six members of the next movie, Sinister Six. This is Sony licensed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jay's girlfriend just got here. He's got to let her in. <laughs> we need better commentary on this. Yeah. <laughs> You're fine. Hi, Becca. Hey, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> So, so reviewing that, yeah, I think you might. <laughs> Good times. You, I totally, I totally took something different from it. I mean, it was a quick, right. It was a quick clip, yeah. you know. So, yeah, that was my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna wrap it up here real quick. But uh, how's this movie doing on Rotten Tomatoes? It's got a fifty-four percent from the critics. Wah, wah, wah. And uh, it's got a 76% for the audience. So it's not doing that great. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we can see that this movie is leading up to the Sinister Six. I didn't really see how much it's leading up into the Venom movie, other than dropping Venom here and Jay saw the, the web. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we've got Spider-Man 3, which Andrew Garfield signed on for that one. But he said he is – it sounds like he's only coming – going to do the three films and he's not coming back, which makes me wonder, like, where are they going to go? Like, why aren't they going to do Miles Morales? Because it doesn't sound like Andrew Garfield – going to come back and it also sounds like they need to bring somebody else in yeah, I don't I know don't, what, can I really quickly say I don't think that was Venom Web I think that was Mysterio also <laughs> you thought it was Mysterio I'm sorry I haven't seen oh yeah, <laughs> yeah I get it <laughs> it was totally Venom's Web yeah, sorry so I'm sorry <laughs> well, it could have been the shocker <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap this one up. All right. Uh, I've had a lot of t- fun talking about Spider-Man. We're going to talk about Star Wars here real quick in our next episode, and then we're going to wrap this up. But uh, uh, just like all leftovers say on their doggy bag, uh, thank you for, for your patronage, and thanks for listening. Right. Later, guys. Later. Later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. 
And as always, check out our website, www.popcultureleftovers.com. We've got great articles there. Comic reviews, movie reviews, television reviews. It's awesome. Check it out. And if you're interested in writing for the site, uh, we definitely need more writers. So send an email to domesticateddave at gmail.com. And if David Griffin likes what he reads, he'll get in contact with you. And you can be part of the team. Remember, this is a non-paying gig, but it's a really cool way to have your voice heard. And we'd love to read your submissions. So get in contact with David. And thank you. And check us out on Tumblr, too, motherfuckers. <laughs> and don't forget, we're on Instagram, too. <laughs> yeah, that just happened. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, hate erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.